Thursday, December the 15th, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Happy holidays. We're getting closer and closer to Christmas, just 10 days out, and it is a busy time in the world of sports. We're actually going to have back-to-back podcasts coming out for you. One of them is going to be kind of like a bonus episode where we recap everything that happened in Wakanda Forever, Black Panther 2, and we also do a deep dive of Rogue One. That's going to be coming out following this one. So if you're a fan of Star Wars and a fan of Marvel and the MCU, look for that on the podcast feed. On this episode, we are going to get into the first round of bowl games. Miami UAB, UTSA Troy, Cincy Louisville, SMU BYU, Washington State, Fresno State, Rice Southern Miss, Florida, Oregon State, North Texas, Boise State, Marshall, UConn. We're going to give you quick previews for all of those games coming up in just a minute. Then we get to NFL Week 15 with Eric. We're already in Week 15. Now everyone's through with their buys, so we have 16 games to preview. Lots of ground to cover today. Then some Friday horse racing. We have best bets over at Gulfstream Park. We flip the script to Saturday. Best bets at Gulfstream. Best bets at Oaklawn. Remington Park has a fun night. It's the Springboard Mile, and they have a bunch of stakes races there. We have some best bets at Remington. So one track for Friday best bets, three for Saturday with Gulfstream, Oaklawn, and Remington. We finish up with This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. We talk about everything going on in the world of WWE with SmackDown, with Raw. Then we shift over to NXT. We talk about NXT Deadline. We talk about Mandy Rose. Then we talk about NXT TV from Tuesday, AEW Dynamite. We discuss a little bit about the Ring of Honor pay-per-view from last week, Final Battle. Woo! It's a while just getting through the intro on this episode. That is presented by our friends over at Better Than Vegas at BTV Bets. If you love college football, go subscribe right now to the BTV Bets YouTube page. Follow them on Twitter. We will have individual game previews for every game throughout the college football bowl season. We also have random best bets that we post all the time throughout the week. All the content over there is free. I host a lot of the shows at Better Than Vegas. Our buddy Eric, who you're going to hear in just a few minutes here, he is a part of a lot of the shows. Just some handicappers from all around the world sharing their insight, their information, their reasoning, hoping to help you become a better, better. Let's dive into the bowl games. Let's start with Miami of Ohio versus UAB. This one is the Hometown Lenders Bahamas Bowl. We have 6-6 six and six Miami of Ohio, 5-7 and seven against the spread. UAB is 6-6, six 4-8 six, against the spread. Miami won three of their last four to become bowl eligible. They needed a one-point win against Ball State in order to get here. They have a couple studs on the defense who each have over 100 tackles this year. And they are 4-2 and two against the spread this year as an underdog. They've actually won three of those games straight up. Now let's flip on over to the UAB side. Looking at UAB, they have a new coach, Trent Dilfer. So in this bowl game, they're going to be coached by their interim coach who you know, won't be around but much longer. But Dilfer's said, said things like, I'll help get water or whatever I need to do. He's going to be on the sidelines. He's going to be helping out when, uh, with in any way, shape, or form. So diving into UAB, this is their final season in Conference USA before moving to the American next year. They're a ten and a half point favorite in this game. Over under in this game is forty five. We have a top five in the nation rushing 
team with the fifth best rushing offense. They're averaging 243.1 yards per game. And last time we saw them, they were defeating Louisiana Tech 37-27. They had 414 yards rushing in that game and three touchdowns led by McBride. 272 yards on 16 carries. He had 17 yards per carry. He's the Conference USA Offensive Player of the Year, leading all of FBS in rushing yards with over 1,700 and with 19 touchdowns. But UAB is 1-6 against the spread in their last seven games of the year. They lost four of their last six straight up, and they're 1-3 ATS in their last four when they've been double-digit favorites, which they are here. I do kind of think Miami of Ohio can keep this game close enough, and that would be my lean in this one uh, at plus the 10.5. Let's move to the next game, we have Troy and UTSA. This is sneaky, one of the best early games in bowl season. We have 11 and 2 UTSA, 7 and 6 against the spread. 11 and 2 Troy, 10 and 3 against the spread. Troy, uh, this game has sort of bounced back and forth. UTSA is a short favorite now, one and a half as I'm looking at the betting lines over at uh, Betfred Sportsbook. Over under in this game is 56. Both of these two teams enter on 10-game win streaks. So Troy blows out Carolina, Coastal Carolina in the Sun Belt game. They win that game by 19 in the title game. They've scored 42.3 points per game in their last three. But overall, this is a much more defensive team. They're eighth in the nation scoring defense, giving up 17.5 points per game, and they're 19th in total defense, allowing only 325 yards per game. They have a, a stud linebacker named Marshall who has 121 tackles on the year. He was named the Sun Belt Defensive Player of the Year. He is a four-time all-conference player. He actually holds the FBS all-time record for 563 tackles. He also has 10.5 sacks, 8 forced fumbles, and 6 interceptions throughout his career. Their quarterback, Watson, has passed for 2,700 yards, 13 touchdowns this year, 10 interceptions, and Vidal leads the team in rushing with over 1,000 yards on the year. Their two losses this year came to Ole Miss and to Appalachian State on a Hail Mary. They're looking for their fifth consecutive bowl win. You have UTSA who enters on a 10-game win streak. They won Conference USA for the second year in a row, beating North Texas by 21 in the title game. The offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach has left to become Oregon's offensive coordinator. Taking over will be the Titans' special teams coach, so they'll at least have someone familiar helping them out. They're also led by senior quarterback Frank Harris, who's been in the system for four years. He had a great season. He's actually a seven-year quarterback. Uh, he's he's been in college for he's going to come back next year for his seven year seventh year this is his sixth year he was thinking about going possibly to take a look at, at if he could get drafted in the NFL but he's going to come back he ranked six nationally thirty eight hundred yards this year thirty one touchdowns completed seventy one percent of his passes and only seven interceptions on a career high four hundred twenty nine attempts as a team they ranked ninth in total offense this year. 486 yards per game. They were 12th in scoring offense, 38.7 points per game. They scored only 30 points, one uh, less than 30 once all year. That was when they lost to Texas. Their two losses came to Texas and in a triple overtime loss to Houston. This would be their first ever bowl win. That's something that Harris wanted to help them check off the list. And uh, he's going to be returning next year. We move to Cincinnati and Louisville. Cincinnati is 
now a short dog in this game. Louisville, a slight two-point favorite. So you have Cincinnati, who's nine and three straight up, three eight and one against the spread. Louisville, who's seven and five straight up, seven and five against the spread. You have Cincinnati, who has a new coach, Scott Satterfield. He just left Louisville, so he's going to be playing his old team. The interim coach, Combs, will actually be coaching for Cincinnati, so Satterfield's not going to be coaching them on on the sidelines, but um, a lot of the Cincinnati assistants have left to Wisconsin along with Luke Fickle. The tight end for Cincinnati is out. A couple of their wide receivers are out. Cornerback out. Kicker out. They're all in the transfer portal. Um, The wide receiver was a first-team AAC conference selections, had the most touchdowns by a tight end in program history. Cornerback was also a first-team all-conference player. And Cincinnati's covered only one of their last eight games, but the under did go, um, they did go under in six of their last eight games, and the defensive led by Pace, a junior who ranks third nationally with 19.5 tackles for loss. He is the AAC Defensive Player of the Year, 120 tackles, 9 sacks. Their quarterback, Bryant, has thrown for 2,700 yards this year, 21 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. On the Louisville side, their games have gone under in five of the last six. Their head coach just left. He's now the coach at Cincinnati. Their new coach will be Jeff Brom, but Dion Branch is going to be the interim coach for this game. Their quarterback, Cunningham, he was banged up in the season finale. Now he opted out. He was a big part of some of their success this year. Their running back, Evans, and the quarterback, Clark, also opted out to prepare for the NFL draft. Wide receiver, Hudson, will also not play. Now, the defense for Louisville started to play very well down the stretch. Second half of the season, they allowed 21 points or less in five of their last seven games. They went 5-2 and two straight up and against the spread during that stretch. Gosh, this game is so tough. So many changes, so many different players. Like I'm not going to personally be playing this game. So, yeah, this one's a tough one to get a real feel for. But, I mean, yeah, yeah it's just really, really tough. Feels like Cincinnati might be missing a little bit more. Maybe the defense of Louisville can kind of sustain here, but no no strong opinion for me as we move to, let's go to SMU and BYU. So we're looking at SMU as a four-point favorite in this game against BYU, and SMU is 7-5 and five this year, 5-7 and seven against the spread, BYU 7-5 and five for an 8 against the spread over under in this game, 64 Lopini probably out for BYU, and the the question for them is the quarterback situation. Hall and wide receiver Nakua will both of them play. They want to play, but they're preparing for the NFL draft. And Hall also has an injury that caused him to come out of the Stanford game. And the backup quarterback answered entered the transfer portal, which means BYU has really nothing at the quarterback position right now if Hall isn't playing, and they're really just going to have to lean on the run game. They did run for 358 yards against Stanford, averaging more than 7 yards per carry. The defense is ranked 93rd in the nation. They're allowing 409-plus yards per game, but they do have a new defensive coordinator hoping to change that. The over-under in this game is 64. Now, on the uh, flip side, we have uh, an SMU team who they are just one of three bowl games that was set at like this high of a total. The totals come down a little bit now because some of these skill players are likely going to be out and not playing. Uh, But for SMU, it's all about the quarterback Mordecai. They are averaging nearly 325 yards per game through the air, sixth in the nation in passing offense. This year, he threw for 3,300 yards, 31 touchdowns, 
in half the year he was playing with broken ribs. The wide receiver, Rice, uh, over 1,300 yards. He will not play. He's already declared for the NFL draft. They're averaging 38.4 points per game this year. They did beat Houston 77-63 to in a game which was the highest scoring regulation game in FBS history. The quarterback threw for nine touchdowns and ran for another. And they're just terrible defensively. They've given up 59 points or more in two of their last four games. They gave up almost 450 total yards per game this year and more than 200 yards rushing. So that could play into it nicely for BYU. I mean, these teams should still be able to score, but I'm leaning SMU. That's why this number has moved. I just I'm not going to play it after the movement on the number and I didn't it didn't get better as uh we continue looking at the Saturday bowl games. Let's get to Washington State and Fresno State. So Fresno State is now a three and a half point favorite on the road here. Uh, Washington State seven and five this year straight up, eight and four against the spread. Fresno State nine and four, six and seven against the spread. For Washington State, they actually opened as a three and a half point favorite, and this thing has moved all the way now to where they're a three and a half point dog. They did win three of their last four games, but they got blown out against their rival Washington. Uh, Washington, the quarterback Ward enters the game with over three thousand passing yards, twenty-three touchdowns, eight interceptions. One of the big wins for them this year was against Wisconsin when they were a seventeen-point underdog early in the season. They did go six and zero straight up and five and one against the spread as a favorite. One and five straight up and three and three against the spread as a dog. Their linebacker Henley, All Pac-12 first team selection, has opted out, and the defensive coordinator is leaving to Arizona State. So the head coach will control the defense. On the Fresno State side, they beat Boise State as a three-point underdog in the Mountain West Championship game. A big turnaround for them this year after starting the season one and four straight up. Finishing the year, winning their last eight games, they went 6-2 and two against the spread during that stretch. And during that eight-game stretch, they won by an average of 18.9 points per game. They're trying to become the first college team ever to start a season 1-4 and four and end up with 10 wins. Quarterback Hayner got hurt and was supposed to miss 10-12 to 12 weeks. Came back five weeks later. He's now played in nine games this year, 2,600 yards passing, 18 touchdowns, three interceptions. Last five games, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. This year, they did play both USC and Oregon State, so they do have some familiarity with a couple tough Pac-12 teams. You can understand why this number has moved so much for Fresno State. I actually do think both of these teams should be able to score a a little bit in here. I wouldn't mind playing uh, the over 52.5. As we continue along where we're headed next, uh, Southern Miss and Rice. So Rice is 5-7 straight up. 7-5 7-5 and five against the spread. They're one of these teams that uh, got in with uh, five wins because only there were there were not enough teams to qualify for the bowl games. So somebody had to get in that wasn't a six-win team. Now, they have lost three of their last... Uh, Rice, actually, is... So this is kind of funny. They had the highest APR of the group that measures student-athlete eligibility and retention. So that's how it happens. The the team with the highest academic progress rate ends up getting in. They started the year 5-4. and four. They lost their last three games, did Rice. They're only averaging 11.3 points per game during the three-game losing streak. They did average 30-plus in the first nine. Now, these two are familiar with each other. They were both in Conference USA from 2005 to 2021. Defense for Rice allowing 166 yards rushing per game. 
and that could help Southern Miss. They want to run with Frank Gore Jr. He ran for a career-high 199 yards and a touchdown, winning their last game to become bowl eligible. They had lost three of their last four to end the season. Rice and Southern Miss in this one. We have Southern Miss as a six-point favorite. The over-under in this game is 45.5. No real strong opinion for me. As we continue along, talking some of the early bowl games, let's talk a little bit about Florida and Oregon State. Another game where a lot of key players for Florida are going to be out in here. So Florida six and six this year. They are seven and five against the spread. You have Oregon State who is nine and three straight up, ten and two against the spread. So Oregon State is a ten point favorite in this game. Over under is fifty two and a half. Oregon State won four in a row to end the year, including the win over their rival Oregon uh, on, in a huge comeback. They were 6-1 and one against the spread in their final seven games of the year. They honestly should have beat USC this year. They played really well against top opponents like USC and Oregon. Senior defensive back right will be out with an injury. The defense has been really good this year against the pass. They've only allowed 11 touchdowns with 12 interceptions. They rank 27th in the nation in rushing. So they want to run the ball with 33 touchdowns. Freshman running back Martinez has passed 100 yards in six straight games. Col- uh, the quarterback Goldbrunson is the real key. He came into the he, – he started about middle of the, the season, and he didn't play well against Oregon, but he won six of seven games that he started. He did play very well leading into the Oregon game. Actually cost him 10 points in that game. They won sort of despite him. On the Florida side, they ended up losing to Florida State. They finished up – the season they're losing four of the lot of four of the five games that they ended up playing away from home did Florida. So I mean, it's really hard to get a feel for them because Richardson's going to be out. He's entering the NFL draft. They're gonna have Jake Miller making his first ever start since transferring from Ohio State last December. First overall college start. He just got a few reps in. And yeah, I the offense averaged 31.8 points per game, but now injuries and defections. How do we how do we judge what the offense is going to be? Wide receiver shorter out. Guard Torrance will be out. Linebacker Miller ranked third on the team with tackles. He's going to transfer. He won't be playing. Safety could also miss the game after missing the final game of the year with the with an injury. It's really hard to get a feel for that one. Oregon State. In Florida. Let's go to North Texas and Boise State, and then we'll finish up with Marshall Yukon, and that'll be the first round that we uh, we talk about here. North Texas, seven and six straight up, seven and six against the spread. Boise State, nine and four straight up, six, six and one against the spread. North Texas lost in the conference title game. They are without a head coach at the moment. They'll be naming a head coach shortly, but the former SMU coach has been the defensive coordinator, will be their interim coach for this game. Their quarterback is thrown for 3,300 yards and 32 touchdowns this year. And their linebacker, Davis, 132 tackles, second straight year with at least 120 tackles. On the Boise State side, they lost to Fresno State in the conference championship game. Uh, their running back, Holani, ran for over 1,100 yards this year. You kind of wonder about if they're really pumped for this game because if they would have beat Fresno State, they would have been in a much more high-profile game than this one. They're a 10.5-point favorite in this game. Boise State is over under 59.5. Let's finish up with Marshall and UConn here. This game is on Monday. Marshall is a 10-point favorite. 
over under 41 in here. Marshall is 8 and 4 straight up, 6 and 6 against the spread. UConn 6 and 6 straight up, 9 and 3 against the spread. Marshall they they have a win this year over Notre Dame who was ranked number 8 at the time. Then they lost 3 of their next 4 games, but then they had 4 straight wins to end the year. They're actually one of the best defensive teams in the nation. They're ranking 7th in scoring, which is 16.2 points per game allowed. They're 4th in passing completion percentage allowed, just a 52.7%. Fifth in rushing yards allowed per game, 88.8. Second in opponent yards per carry, 2.8. Fifth in interceptions per game, just 1.3. They averaged 26.3 points per game. Freshman quarterback Fancher took over in the middle of the year. Six touchdown passes in the last three games. He's rushed for an average of 76.3 yards per game with a touchdown in each of those. And their running back has rushed for 100 yards plus nine times this year. On the UConn side, I just don't know how they're going to be able to score. To keep up with a Marshall team that can score And a Marshall team that has a very good defense UConn is one of the worst offenses in the nation They rank 115th in scoring average Just 19.8 per game They lost to Army in the final game of the year But they did win three straight before that They lost five of their six road games this year They only averaged 16.8 points per game on the road And their passing uh, offense averaged 106.9 yards per game this year. That was fifth worst in the nation. They've only had one passing touchdown over the last three games. Their running back, Rosa, rushed for 111 yards against Army. He's accounted for five of the team's 10 total touchdowns in their last three games. Yeah, it's not a great number, but it's just tough to get confident about UConn in this spot. That's the first round of bowl games uh, from Friday all the way through Monday. Come hang out with us and check us out at Better Than Vegas at BTV Bets for individual bowl game previews for all of the college bowl games. Now as the holiday season gets closer and closer, you're looking for some last-minute gifts. Candles are perfect for anyone. Your significant other, your loved ones, some of your friends or family. Just great things to have around the house during the holidays when there's a lot of cooking, a lot of people in and out, a lot of fun smells, weird weather happening. It's cold and it's kind of musky inside with everyone in there. C-E-R-A candles.com. These are all natural. They're not normal candles. They're soy wax candles. No toxins, no carcinogens, no pollutants. They're healthier for you. They're better for you. Use that promo code G-I-N-O. It'll get you 10% off your purchase. Let's move along and dive into NFL Week 15 game-by-game previews with Eric Kick back and enjoy as we get you all set up. About 90 minutes or so of NFL talk previewing all 16 games for Week 15. NFL Week 15. Eric, how the hell are we here? Week 15, man. Where did the time go? You know what? Time's a flying. Um, <laughs> it is. You know, the season's almost over. You know, we got a crunch time. Um, you know, I got some pretty big weeks coming up for some some of those playoff futures we locked in with the um, uh, the Giants big game this week with the Giants for that plus 300 we got for them mm-hmm. not to make the playoffs. Big game with the uh, the Finns and that plus 450 to not make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that's starting to look really nice. And yeah, like yeah. now everybody's buys are done. So everybody has four games left now. Here we go. Right. Like everybody's got four games to rock and roll. And five of the teams that are in the playoffs right now have negative point differentials. Five of the teams in the playoffs. It just kind of shows you it's been that kind of a year. Even our friends, the Minnesota Vikings, who we've been picking on for a little while, they have a negative one point differential as a 10-win team, which is just crazy. 
But uh, looking forward to diving in right now to NFL Week 15. And what's cool about this week, we actually have football games on Thursday, Friday, or Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So, yeah. Sorry, significant others. If you're a football fan, <laughs> you're going to be parked yeah. watching a lot of a lot of football, lots of days of football coming up, Eric. We've got the 49ers and the Seahawks in the Thursday night game. San Fran is a three-point favorite on the road here. Over-under in this game is 43. San Francisco is 9-4 and four straight up, 8-5 and five against the spread. The Seahawks, 7-6 and six straight up, 6-7 and seven against the spread. On the Seattle side, last week was a, a struggle for Geno Smith. He had a couple first-half interceptions, and then it just put them in chase mode throughout. And those two interceptions ended up costing them 10 points in that game. It was his worst passing completion percentage of the season, just 58%. He did finish with... 264 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. And the key for them in games, um, we're starting to find out that they're not that great defending the run. They gave up 223 yards rushing, and they are now 0-5 this year when they've given up 175 yards or more on the ground. That's happened five times where they've hit the uh, 175 rushing yards allowed. And, And so now they're not able to defend the run, And recently, Eric, injuries to Walker and a couple of their backs, they haven't been able to run the ball. So now all of a sudden, you become one-dimensional on offense because you can't run, and your defense can't stop the run. Oh, I can understand why this team has started to struggle a little bit. There was a stretch in the game last week. It was close, and it was one score, and they had um, three consecutive punts, and two of them were three and outs. You just can't do that. They got chances in that game last week to get back into it. And they've played on paper. It looked like what was going to be an easy part of their schedule. They had four straight games against teams that were under 500. They lost three and they barely won the other. So you were kind of hitting on this with them early. And I will say I kind of, I was kind of in the, in the middle because I agreed with you that, I felt like they weren't as good as maybe their early record would suggest, but uh, like some of the advanced metrics, like their players were kind of playing a little bit over their head. Right. And mm-hmm. there are different ways that teams can, can maybe look a little fluky. And I thought that maybe some of their younger players were just really good, but it looked like that maybe they hit rookie walls. Maybe some of them were playing good for short stretches of the season, but just not that quite, quite that good overall. But defensively and uh, talent wise, they've really come back to life, right? Like they've come back regression to the mean. Yeah. They've kind of taken a step, big step backwards. And we kind of knew this was kind of, kind of happening because they've been overachieving uh, teams have gotten film on Geno Smith and this new offense. You don't have, you know, they started the season, they had Penny back there. He went down, you had Walker come in uh, Walker, you know, he's gotten a little banged up into play last week. The week before was really held in check in that game in Arizona um yeah they're just not looking that good defensively is coming starting to come back to the, the ground but sometimes you have to kind of sell on the team and i in my eyes this is another i, I gotta completely team. agree you, right because right now um, the 49ers are the overvalued team because everybody's ro- rolling the 49ers for a while have been overvalued and we can kind of dive into a lot of even, even the last two weeks for example right they come off of big wins against the Dolphins and then against Tampa. Man, they played the Dolphins, who you and I have been on for a while as not being as that great. And honestly, 
the Dolphins were without both of their starting tackles in that game too. So the mm-hmm. 49ers were really able to pick on them. Then last week, they played Tampa in a situation where Tampa was coming off a game on a short week where they had a pretty like emotional high to come back and get a win in a game where they shouldn't have. And it was like the a really difficult spot. So they've just they've caught teams in like on the great spots in perfect opportunities. Now they're going to be without Debo and for the rookie he's whether or not he's like an NFL starter, he's going to have a bad game coming up soon. And, and there's going to be some bad stretches are in Seattle. It's going to be cold 32 degrees. Uh, Carol 67% ATS is a divisional um, ATS at home. Divisional dog. Uh, yeah. Divisional dog against uh, Shanahan. He's 55%. Uh, Shanahan was someone besides Jimmy G as a quarterback is 41% ATS um, as a favorite with someone besides Jimmy G's 33%. And this is the other thing about buying low, selling high teams that have won by 28 points or more that are road favorites are 48% ATS. Don't get me wrong. I get this 49ers defense is really elite, but you have a rookie quarterback making his first start on the road. You have to, you absolutely have to take Seattle plus Seattle. three here. Seattle Absolutely. plus. Uh, Betfred has it at three. I got it at three and a half in another shot. Yep. Anything over the field goal, I'm fine with. Three or over, yep. three and a half. Obviously, if you're on the Seattle side, you you know you try to get your best value that you can. But Eric, we uh, this will be one of our plays, I'd imagine. The last two weeks, four and one, four and one. Three weeks ago, three and two. So our last three weeks, you and I are a combined eleven and four with our plays. Yeah. Really, and you know what? Yeah. I think we had. Out of the 15 weeks, we had two negative weeks this year. 13 weeks that have been positive, two that were negative. And the one negative, we had one and four. The other one was two and three. Every other week, we've been three and two or above. And now starting to see the ball very well uh, at the end of the season as we move along to the Saturday games. Three Saturday games this week, buddy, for us to talk about. We've got Colts Vikings to kick off the Saturday slate. The Vikings are a four-point favorite. They are at home in this one. Over-under is 48-and-a-half. The Colts are 4-8-and-one this year. They're 5-and-eight against the spread. The Vikings are 10-and-three straight up. They are 6-6-and-one against the spread. Colts come into this game off a bye. And last time we saw them, they were in that game with Dallas. It was a two-point game going into the fourth quarter. And they allowed 33 points in the fourth quarter. And they got outscored by the most points in the fourth quarter in NFL history. Um... They've now lost three. Here's a great stat. They've now lost three straight games for the second coach this year. <laughs> They've lost three straight games for two different coaches this year. They, uh, the offensive line was struggling a little bit. There were six different. They had six different linemen that got beat at least three times in that game. Six different linemen just getting beat repeatedly over and over. They had more turnovers against Dallas five then they did third down conversions four in that in that game, but they do have uh, a buy and they can possibly now have a few wrinkles for a new staff. Maybe they've got an opportunity to figure out some of the things that have worked well, change a few things. Who knows? But it's not like we're talking about like a great staff. This was a coach that had never coached in college or pro before this. Jonathan Taylor. He's really struggled this year, just kind of overall. And and versus eight-man boxes, not good at all. Even when they're not stuffing the box as much, he's he's kind of struggled. Then we have our Vikings team, who's really started to come back to the pack. 
They've allowed five teams in a row to get to 400 plus yards of offense. They allowed the Lions to gain at least 36 yards on eight of their 10 possessions and score on eight of their nine, their first nine. They've now had five games this year where they've scored 24 points or less. They fumbled on this weird pass on first and goal right before the half. I'm not saying they were going to win the game or anything. You and I were on the like watching that game. You're a Lions fan. I was big on the Lions side. But that definitely flipped the complexion of the game. And now what we're starting to see, Eric, is like a lot of those plays that were bouncing the way for Minnesota earlier in the year, they're just going the opposite way. Like that was yeah, a play that Minnesota would have taken advantage of earlier in the year, or that would have happened like the Lions would have been first and goal and they would have fumbled it away against them. You know? So it's just, this is one thing as gamblers that we always try to point out is that when teams are winning in in sort of fluky ways, it 99.99999% of the time, it's not going to be sustained. You just, you just can't because they've, you know, they, they're allowing opponents to score on 57% of their drives over the last five games. That's the highest rate in the league during that stretch. They have a negative point differential on the year. Nine wins by one score, and their three losses this year are all by double digits. They when they, I mean, they get blown out, right? And they don't like I mean, my my thing with this, this is what I did, is I took the Colts plus the four and a half, just looking at it. Cousins standalone games. He's nine and 15, 38% ATS yep. as a favorite. He's 49% ATS with how bad the Vikings defenses with how bad the Vikings defenses, excuse me, like you were saying, it's tough to trust them laying this many points. Vikings are averaging, giving up 116 and a half yards per game to opposing teams in the rushing pack. I think the Colts are going to be, have success moving the ball. Gilmore, should be able to um to keep slow Jefferson. down Jefferson a little bit. Just make yeah. it difficult, right? Jefferson is one of those guys that like yeah. he's going to get his almost always no matter what. But like just make it a little bit harder on it. Like last week the Lions sort of they kind of played it like a basketball game where they're like, "Hey, like let's just let Jefferson get his." Like yeah. he's going to get his 30, but we'll make sure nobody else beats us. And and they stuffed Cook who, well, speaking man. of Cook, like, I mean, you, you kind of look at Cook, his last just kind of, well, A, he's only gone over 100 yards rushing twice this season. That's number one. Number two, the last four games he's had, he's only averaging 55.8 yards per game. He's had two games this year where he's gotten over 15 carries, okay, and he's averaged – less than a two yards per carry you know he's not having that good of a season no and a lot of that i feel has to do with their change in offensive run scheme with how bad they're with their offensive line being a little undersized with what they're trying to do yep. and derisaw derisaw being hurt i think it's kind of a combination of all three of those things now these next couple weeks plays the Colts here, the Giants, and the Packers. They're 8th, 15th, and 7th in fantasy points allowed to running backs this year. So these are teams that are all in the top half for what they've given up. And so this is this will be a good litmus test, right? Like this weekend and these next couple, if we don't see like a much better games from him, 
he may be either hurt or banged up or just one of these years where it's just a bad year. Like you said, the scheme, the line, because these are the opportunities for them to be able to run the ball coming up. We'll see if they can do it. And I mean, it's big. Like I have him over 1150 and a half yards. He's sitting at 950 right now this year. Yeah. I mean, the reality of the situation is he probably doesn't play that last week of the year because they'll probably have their playoff spot locked up by then, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. you know. I so, mean, like, a 120 this week would be so nice for you to, like, give you a shot. You know what I mean? Oh, no, I have Just, the under, not the over. Oh, you have, oh, yeah, you have the under. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So, now, you're, yeah, you're, you're hoping that, not, okay, okay, you're the other way. Yeah, so you're yeah. sitting. Yeah. I, I'm, so, yeah. I'm with you. I wouldn't, I don't mind making, um, making the Colts one of our plays. I, I don't love it as much as the other, but let's see if we need to get back to the fifth. I'm, I'm definitely at over the field goal. We've seen Minnesota play close games all year long. No, we've just like, oh, we've yeah. seen them play in close score games. We know things are starting to bounce weird for them. I wouldn't be shocked if they lost three or four games in a row, you know, because that's what happens with teams like this that win all those games in a row and they don't, they're not that good. So, uh, we're both on the Vikings. Uh, we're both on the Colts side here against the Vikings plus the four. Eric got it at four and a half earlier. I'm fine with four. Three and a half would be my buy-in point. I'd want at least a three and a half in this particular one, so we could get more than the yeah, field goal. Field goal good. You know, I like. I got it a little bit earlier, so. But let's get over you, three, I like. Let's get to a divisional game, Eric. So as we record this on Wednesday night, right now, is it going to be Anthony Brown starting for the Ravens? That's the thing we don't know. So we really so just no keep idea. in mind, as we record Wednesday, Eric and I will be able to, you know, provide you more information throughout the week, like just accurate information if you follow us on social media. And we're going to do a show to preview these three games on Saturday at better than uh, over at BTV bets at better than Vegas. So we'll do a quick show on Saturday to, to talk about the three Saturday games. So by by then we will know. And that is really what makes this game kind of hard. To talk about right now, Eric, as we see the Ravens are nine and four, five, seven, and one against the spread. The Browns are five and eight, six and seven against the spread. We don't really know who's going to be quarterbacking because we know it's not going to be Lamar. He'll be coming back on Christmas Eve, is the report. Huntley got banged up last week and it was a concussion issue. So he had uh, Brown came in at quarterback. He went three for five for 16 yards. He mainly handed the ball off. He also had a couple runs for like negative yards. I think one was a kneel down, but they only had 94 yards passing as a team. They were up by six in the game that Pittsburgh um, had a 40 yard field goal attempt that the Ravens blocked. And then they went on their own 13 play 57 yard drive and they kicked a field goal. So they ended up going on a six point swing there. And instead of a three point game, they end up going up by nine and they're up by two scores. And that, that was the difference in the game. And it was a big win for them because the Browns lost the jets lost. So it helped them in some of those wild card spots. And, you know, Dobbins came back. He was impactful. He had 120 yards, 15 carries overall as a team. They ran for 215 yards, 5.1 yards per carry. Funny stat for them this year on third down, they averaged 5.7 yards per rush. They averaged 5.7 yards per pass on third down per pass at the, they average more yards rushing than they do passing on third down because they don't have any receivers. We've talked about with them. They, they don't have any quality receivers and we have the Browns on the other side as expected. Watson just does not look good last week. He was graded quarterback 28 out of 32 quarterbacks that took snaps based on pro football focus, passing grade. He had two turnover worthy plays 
one big time throw. He still showed improvement, but it's not like he was good. Uh, there was only one regular starting quarterback last week that had a worse graded game than him. That was our boy Tua. And they actually look worse than they did before he was playing. Like with yeah. Brissett, they were actually moving the ball better. They've only scored one offensive touchdown in his two starts. 23 possessions. He's completed 59% of his passes, 470 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. As a team, they've only scored one touchdown on the 23 possessions since he's returned to the lineup. And then last week overall, it's like, I don't know if these guys like him or not on the Browns, but I, I will say their team and like their body language and stuff doesn't look great. They had nine accepted penalties last week for 89 yards. They got flagged for roughing the kicker on a punt. Then on a third down sack, it got taken away because of an illegal hands to the face penalty. So think about that two different times. They wow. let possessions go continue on for the Ravens because of that. Um, but you know, quietly, who's been playing really well, Peoples Jones, and we've been on him for a little while. He had eight receptions, 104 yards. He played 100% of the offensive snaps for the first time in his career. The Browns attempted five deep passes last week. He was targeted on all five, and that was the most deep targets for any Browns receiver in a game this year. They have the fifth easiest schedule for wide receivers remaining over the rest of the year. So, it does look like at least Watson has kind of locked onto him as someone to pepper with targets. Do you have any real thoughts on this game? A few days out, kind of hard not knowing the QB, right? Yeah, we don't know the QB. I mean, Harbaugh is four and one ATS versus Stefanski. Um, you know, Brown's fifteenth DVOA versus the tight ends. Maybe you can get Andrews can get going if Huntley plays a thirtieth, stopping the run. Um, Baltimore has a top. 10D. Um, can you really trust Watson? I know he's been away from the game for over 700, 700 days, but you just look at it. You can't, against the Bengals, they're 415 on third down. Against the Texans, they're 413. That's eight for 28 the last two weeks you combined. You can't do that. You have to be able to convert and move the change on third down. If you can't do that, you're going to lose. Chubb, you know, Chubb's kind of a stay away for me in terms of DFS. Um, he's only averaging 60.4 yards per game and has only gone over 100 yards once versus the Ravens in the games he's played at them. Um, for me, look, if Huntley's playing and I'm getting three, I'll take the Ravens. Yeah. But right now at this number, this it's is a dead number. Just, yeah. You don't know what's going on because if the kid, if the if the kid Brown plays, this is gonna bloom. This is just gonna balloon up. If he doesn't play and it's Huntley, then it's going to go the other way. Um, you know, so they're, the they're kind of covering their bases here where it's like at a two and a half in the middle, you know, because that way if anybody plays it there. And one of the things I do is I kind of just kind of look at the lines like, you know, we're looking at Bet Fred right now. The, part of me always looks at it like Bet Fred has plus money on the two and a half, so that way they're trying to entice you to take the two and a half. Yeah, exactly. No, you're you right. Know, That's a good point. You know, I don't. I don't know. Like this is, it's a stay away. We'll talk more about this game on Saturday when we know for sure. uh, And join us uh, on Saturday at BTV bets. I actually don't think we've even decided exactly what time we're going to do the Saturday show, but we'll post that out yesterday. Uh, We'll post that out in the next day or two. Once we uh, confirm, let's get the dolphins bills. uh, The main event for Saturday night, we have Miami eight and five straight up six and seven against the spread. The bills 10 and three straight up six, six and one against the spread. The bills play the jets last week. 
That game started with 10 straight punts. Five from the Bills, five from the Jets. The the Bills only had three first downs in their first five drives. It was the first time since Josh Allen's third career start that they had to punt five straight drives to start a game. Then after that, they scored on four consecutive possessions. They got up 20 to seven. Then they got cold again. They went three and out three straight times. So the Jets had a chance to get back in the game. They actually got outgained in this game. They only the Bills only had 233 total yards in that game. They were two of 13 on third down. Jets had more total yards. Jets were better on third down. Jets won the time of possession by almost six minutes. It was the fewest net yards in a game for the Bills this year by almost 100 yards. But they've still won four in a row, even though they haven't looked all that great. So that's that's been kind of good for them because they've been going through a little bit of a lull, but they're still winning. It's not like you're losing games and now you're nervous about making the playoffs. We've seen the Bills do this the last couple of years where they kind of kind of go through like a weird lull in the middle of the year and then they start to fire back. But they're still top five in offense, defense, and overall DVOA, overall number two in DVOA. So not as if you know they're a bad team or anything. And they're playing this Dolphins team. And uh, as a seven-point favorite in this game, the Bills are favored by seven, over under 43 and a half. The Dolphins, it makes you feel a little good sometimes. I'm, I'm not saying this like, as someone who's rooting against people, but when your assessment of a team is that they're a little bit overrated and then you get to see them in a couple of games kind of get knocked back down a peg, it makes you feel a little warm and fuzzy inside. I'm sure you probably got that feeling a little bit about Tua because, hey, I'll be the first to say, Tua has performed very well this year, a lot better than I thought he would maybe ever perform in the NFL, but he's still not as good as his numbers would suggest or as people had been talking about him throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And this was like a real wake-up call because it wasn't even like last week's game when, okay, Tua didn't play well against the 49ers. That's a really good defense. That's one of the best defenses in the league. We can't say that about the Chargers team that he just played against. They're banged up on defense. They have not been good at all. I think they were like 23 DVOA coming in. They were the number 24th ranked defense overall. And Miami was the number fourth ranked offense. And Miami only had 219 total net yards. 57 of them came on a fluky play where a fumble bounced to Hill and he went 57 yards for a touchdown. Yep. Um, Um, He's got an ankle injury too, Hill. Yeah, he's banged up. Waddle's banged up. They have a lot more. They have a lot of stuff going on. Um, Chance of snow, 70%. Supposed to get one to three inches. Winds could be up to 20 miles an hour. That's kind of why we've seen this total, which opened up at 45 and a half, drift down to 43 and a half. That's kind of something to monitor. I'm not really that worried about the snow. I'm more worried about the wind. The wind's the big mean thing I'm going to be looking at there. Um, you know, we talked about it. This is kind of the dolphin season. Dolphins really need yeah, to win this team to, to kind of keep these playoff streaks alive. Uh, Tua as a dog, 64%. You know, you mentioned Hill being hurt, Hill, Waddle being hurt, that playmakers. You know, that has me worried. The snow, the wind, are they going to be able to do enough? But I think the main thing we kind of need to go back to is we need to kind of look at, and I said this on my stream, Bills are done. I mean, they're not coming out unless there's like a major injury to Mahomes or a major injury to Burrow. They're they're done. Uh, Too many injuries on the defensive line, too many injuries in the back four. 
couple key offensive line and injuries. But the main thing is ever since that elbow injury, Allen is not attempting as many rushes, not <laughs> doesn't have as many rushing yards. And he is averaging his yards passing per game since that game where he hurt himself against the Jets has gone from 300 to 230 yards per game. So, you know what I mean? He's just not. Yeah, he's he's just not he's just 100% not healthy. You can just feel you can just and feel it when you're watching run him. the ball enough with Singletary or Cook. Um, I think this ship is sinking and the team that we saw at the beginning of the year isn't anywhere near the team that they are now. So I think now, there's definitely some going to be some value on fading them in the right location, but this isn't it. That's, that's I my, that's exactly. I completely it. agree with your assessment there. I, I, yeah. Cause I guess just in going through, they didn't have stretches where they would go five possessions and have to punt three possessions, three straight, three and outs like that. They just, that's not who the bills had been, but they don't feel great. The problem is the dolphins don't either. And the opponents are starting to disrupt the rhythm of their receivers. They're jamming them on the line. And you could see Tua couldn't adjust back after they've now adjusted. And so, like, his timing is completely off. He was missing wide-open receivers last week. He started that game 3 of 17 it for, 20, like, you for know 25 I mean? yards. And it was playing against the secondary that was missing Derwin James. Finished the game 10 of 28, 35% completion percentage. That was the worst in a game since Donald with the Jets in 2019. Bro, that was, was the worst... Terrible. For the and, franchise since 1980, this is a this is feels like a stay away for me. Oh yeah, stay away. I mean, I maybe look at Digs and DFS. Um, interesting Saturday build. Um, what I would do if I were to build a lineup and the weather looked okay is I would take Digs just because Howard tends to shadow him. Howard's given up the most receiving yards out of any DB, so I play Digs. I played Nujoku, I played Dobbins, I look at the Browns defense, and then I just stack as many people as I could in the uh, Vikings Colts game just because that's in an indoor stadium with no weather issues. I would just play, you know what I mean? I couple play a couple yeah. fringe people, then I just stack, stack the heck out of the, the indoor what's, game. what's tough, like this is a tough spot for them too, because this is gonna be the third straight road game for the Dolphins. They yep. went uh San Francisco. Chargers now all the way across the country to Buffalo with tough weather. And they struggled running against the Chargers defense, who you and I can run against. Like everybody runs against the Chargers defense. And they really couldn't even run the ball all that much against them. Yeah, they, they allow the third fewest points per game at home. This season, they allow the most points per game on the road of any team. I'm staying away from the, uh, the Dolphins and the Bills as we move to Sunday, Eric. And how about this? So what's funny? If Atlanta wins this game and Carolina wins their game, and who Carolina plays the Pittsburgh, they're a three-point favorite. And then if Tampa loses as an underdog, Tampa is underdog, we are gonna have a three-way tie at six and eight at the top at the top of the division in Which the NFC in the NFC South between the Falcons, Panthers, and Bucks. They could all be six and eight coming off of this week atlanta is five and eight they're seven and six against the spread the saints are four and nine five and eight against the spread the saints defense has been awful in the fourth quarter how weird is this 31st in the nfl in defensive dvoa entering their bye, and in the fourth quarter they're giving up like 4.3 yards per carry five touchdowns 488 yards rushing and 
um, fourth quarter passing against them, 60% completion rate and six touchdowns with no interceptions. Just really bizarre that they've been so bad in the fourth quarters of games. On the Falcons side, there will be starting Desmond Ritter. Mariota was just 8 of 29 for 194 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions since week nine on passes of 16-plus air yards. They just they couldn't move the ball down the field. As a team, though, they've had a very consistent offense. You know, they've gone three and out on only 13% of their drives entering week 14. That's second best in the league. And the running game should be able to help take a little bit of pressure off the rook here. Their net penalty yardage is actually the best in the league. They've committed zero defensive pass interference penalties while opponents have committed five against them for 107 yards. They've been flagged for roughing the passer only one time. Do you remember which one, Eric? Great, Jerry. Yep. yep. <laughs> that was the only time this year and opponents have been flagged for it against them three times. They've also committed uh, only 10 false start. Their opponents have committed 19 of them. But, you know, for them, it's all about the run game there. You can see why they would make the change with Mariota. They gave him some opportunities, but he really just couldn't throw the ball. Um, You know, he was ranked 28th a couple weeks ago behind or right with Wolford, Kyle Allen, and Skylar Thompson, who only threw one pass based on their passing grade. What do you think about this game, Falcon Saints? Well, I mean, they kind of had to see what they got with Ritter. Used pretty high draft capital to get him. Um, Dalton, you know, 56% ATS on, you know, on the road as a no, sorry, as a as a favorite at 1 p.m. You have a rookie making his first game, first start on the road in New Orleans. It's a real tough place to play. Uh, Falcons defense, 30th total DVOA, 29th pass, 28th rush. I think the Saints are going to be able to move the ball. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I just look at it. You got a Saints defense against a rookie. We don't know what we're going to see from this guy. Um, what teams started to do is they started to spy Mariota. You know, he can't make the throws. He's not what he used to be. You know, I have a, I'll never forget, I have a well-known sports journalist who blocked me after I called him out when Mariota was drafted, saying how he thought Mariota was going to win a Super Bowl. Um, I don't know. I just, to me, it's <laughs> Saints or nothing here. Yeah, I don't really have a strong uh, lean one way or the other on this one. Let's move to Cowboys, Jags. We've got... The Cowboys is a four-point favorite on the road here, over under 47 and a half in this one. Dallas is 10-3 this year, straight up, 8-5 against the spread. The Jags are 5-8 straight up, 5-7-1 against the spread. And the Cowboys come off of a near, near defeat last week against the Texans. Dak threw an interception late in the fourth quarter. Texans got the ball at the three-yard line, up by three points. They got stopped on four tries. And Dallas had to go 98 yards, scored a game-winning touchdown. You know, Dallas, uh, with Dak, he hasn't been very good throwing the ball well down the field this year. Five touchdowns, eight interceptions on passes that have traveled 10-plus air yards. They gave up 327 total yards last week, 5.1 yards per play. They let the Texans go 7-15 of on third down. They also had three turnovers in that game. They lost the time of possession by almost six minutes in a game where Driscoll and Mills were the opposing quarterbacks. Driscoll threw six passes and had seven carries for 36 yards. The thing about them, they're kind of in a weird spot right now, Eric, because they're 10 and three, but they're basically locked into the number five because 
they're probably not going to win the division unless they win four, like their next four and Philly loses basically three out of those four games. Mm-hmm. They're not, and they're, and so they can't get anything better than the five spot because yeah, the other four having, yeah. are all locked up in the division. So for them, they're, and it's not a bad spot to be. They kind of know they're going to be playing whoever wins the NFC South. Yeah. They're going to they go on the road and play that bad team. Yep, and it's kind of a weird thing. Um, You want to stay healthy, but you don't want to hurt people, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You want to stay in a rhythm, but you don't want to stay healthy as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Terrence Steele got hurt for them. That's really big. He's one of their offensive linemen. Uh, Josh Bell came and replaced them. Bell was awful, gave up a couple sacks almost. You know, and he got benched. And then uh, Jason Peters came in. So old man Jason Peters is actually going to be starting. That kind of shows you the shape of the Dallas Cowboys offensive line i think the jaguars are going to be able to get to dak make him uncomfortable last three games he's only averaging 238 yards passing and he but more importantly he's got a one-to-one td to int ratio which is uh really bad i think you know with eddie in the passing game uh zay jones extending the field and christian kurt moving the change i think the jags are very live here i bet them at plus four and a half yeah, I think if you can get over the three and a half, um, uh, you know, three, three and a half over the field goal, I'm on the uh, the Jag side also. The you know Lawrence was the number one scoring quarterback in uh, fantasy last week. He has ten touchdowns and no interceptions over his last five games. That was his career props high. To Evan props to Dude, Evan I was, I was gonna give you the props right now, man. You called. You've been calling him all year. 11 catches, 162 yards. He was the number one overall player in fantasy last week. Number one yeah. overall player. Uh, they scored 29 unanswered points at one stretch during that game. You and I were on them against the Titans. The defense forced four turnovers, turned all four of them into points. They scored 20 points off of those four turnovers. Henry fumbled twice in that game, and they forced five three and outs and a turnover on downs against the Titans. Man, but shout out to Lawrence. three uh, 30 of 42, three touchdowns. He also had a rushing touchdown. He was 9 of 13 on passes of 10-plus air yards. He has six touchdowns and no interceptions on passes of 10-plus air yards since week 9. Prior to that, in his first 25 games, he had 11 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. He's figuring it out now. and uh, It's I, fun yeah, to see. You know, he's starting is. to piece it together and everything. Yep. We're on the, uh, the Jags here at plus the four the home dog. Let's move to your Lions and the Jets. Man, how about these Lions playing some good ball right now? They are 6 and 7, 9 and 4 against the spread. Very easily could have a couple more wins early in the year. The Jets 7 and 6, 8 and 5 against the spread. How about this? If if I would have told you Eric in week 15, the Lions and the Jets are going to be playing a game with major playoff implications for both of these teams. You would have told me I'm smoking. Something. I mean, it's, it's absolutely crazy. It's it's kind of tough though because at the end of the day, we still don't know is not white. like white, and we and he we've seen playing. he changes this team quite a bit, right? He yeah. he does help them move the ball down the field. And dude, he took one of the hardest hits I've ever seen in a football game. It looked like Brock Lesnar speared him oh, in the, the ribs. Way, it was brutal. It was brutal. Um, he like buckled in half. I don't know how he came back in the game after that. That was, I, dude, he's a tough was, dude. It was remarkable. Um, he got, cause he got, they took him, uh, ambulance 
uh, he got taken to the hospital right after the game, but he did fly home with the team. So he was at least able to get released from the hospital to fly home with them. But man, like he, he, they put pressure on him on 19 out of 47 dropbacks. So 40% of the time he was only pressured 19% of the time in his first two, he was getting leveled. Yeah. And you know, it's going to be on this Lions pass rush. If he does play to get to him, make him comfortable. Lions are going to be able to move the ball. There's just a lot of questions. Um, I really feel the Lions are going to be able to run on the Jets. Uh, Swift is starting to get a healthier. End of the day, though, this all comes down to Goff. You know, 43 46% ATS outdoors, 43% ATS outdoors as a Detroit Lion. If he's able to stay on course, not get uncomfortable in the pocket, then it's going to be fine. And, and let's say this way. about him. Let's say this about him. This is he's, – he's in a good – position right now confidence wise right like he's not struggling he's not hurt you guys are healthy this should be an opportunity for him to go out there and at least not look like a train wreck right like that that's all we're asking of him because man your team has been playing so well lately they held the vikings running backs to 22 rushing yards the offense didn't give up one sack so think about that defensive line shut down the run game Offensive line doesn't give up one sack. You got a 41-yard fake punt run. You win. You ice the game on a play where your right tackle goes in motion on the third and eight, catches the pass, gets there for the first down. Awesome stuff. They've won five of their last six. Their lone loss throughout that stretch was a close loss on Thanksgiving against the Bills. You got the the rookie wide receiver Williams involved. His first pass uh, catch was a 41-yard touchdown. He did have a drop later in the game, but it's clear that he's got some ability and that he's someone they can get involved to make big plays. They've scored 25 points or more five straight times for the first time since 1954 ties a single season franchise record scored 31 in four of their last five. The lions lead the league with a 75% red zone conversion rate. They're second in the NFL with goal to go conversion rate of 90%. However, their defense 30th in red zone defense with a 65% touchdown rate allowed and 80.8% on the goal line. But they've given up just 123 yards on sacks this year. That is second lowest in the league. And over the last six games, this team is only allowed 20.3 points per game. Win or lose this game, a lot of things are trending positively for the Lions right now. And if we don't know if Mike White's going to play defensive lineman, one of the best defensive players for the jets, Williams suffered an injury. You know, it's a, it's not a bad spot for Detroit, but you mentioned the great point. We know that golf has struggled outdoors, cold weather. Yeah. You just don't know. Like there's just way too many variables here. Um, you know, plus the jets also have some injuries at some key other positions. Um, you know, the lions have looked so well, they're due. Do for a little regression. They do need to win three out of four to make the playoffs. I mean, that, that's yeah. it. You know, yeah. they'll have to win three out of four or have one of the teams go 0-4 uh, just because Seattle owns the tiebreaker with them and be, they Lions own the tiebreaker with the Giants and the Commanders, but those guys tied, so they're always going to be a half. Uh, half uh, ahead or behind. So you that tiebreaker won't really matter with them. Yeah. So 
Yeah, the Jets. I mean, last week they they the Jets have to get over this hump against some of their like their bigger brothers. Now we know they beat the Bills earlier this year, but it still seems like the the Bills and the Patriots kind of it's like that that older brother thing. Jets had more first downs, more total yards, uh, two turnovers, and seven penalties killed them because three of the penalties they had gave the Bills automatic first downs. They won the time of possession by almost nine minutes in that game, um, and ended up losing. Jets. Lions, fun game with these two teams. Come on, Lions. I'm rooting for you, Eric. Let's see if we can get your Lions into a 7-7 a seven and seven situation where they're really in the mix for a playoff spot. We go to Kansas City versus Houston. Kansas City on the road is a 14-point favorite in this one, over under 49.5 here. Houston was a 17-point favorite last week, almost beat the Cowboys straight up. Kansas City... 10 and 3 straight up this year, 3 9 and 1 against the spread. We have the Texans 1 11 and 1 straight up, 5 7 and 1 against the spread. On the Chiefs side, they got out to a 27 to nothing lead last week. They started to relax a little bit and the Broncos scored 21 consecutive points. Now the Chiefs did put up 430 total yards on one of the better defenses in the league, but their defense allowed Denver to move the ball far too easily, scoring 21 straight points. Defense did force a couple turnovers, but let's keep in mind, Denver was in that game until Russell Wilson got hurt. It was a one-score game, and they were moving the ball, and the Denver Broncos offense, who has been miserable this year, looked probably the best it's looked all year against the Chiefs last week. Uh, Mahomes is 10-0 against the Broncos, and Mahomes is 15-0 in divisional road games. Mm-hmm. 15 and 0 divisional road games. Uh, the Chiefs, kind of some weird advanced stats for them. They only have two pass interference penalties this year, which is bizarre because you figure with Mahomes throwing the ball down the field, but you know, they, they actually have a good offense and their defense has been flagged for eight defensive pass interference penalties. So, you know, they, they lose out on like the penalty yardage in that particular category. The Texans, they played really well last week. And, you know, Mills is the best quarterback for them. They had Driscoll run the ball a little bit. They got the ball late with the chance to win the game. And I like that they went for it. They tried to put the game away. They got stopped on the two-yard line. The defense forced a season-high three turnovers. Your boy, the long long neck Mills, is back in the game. Do we take the Texans as a 14-point home dog here? If it was higher, I would. I mean, the you know, kind so of. So, what like is what, what is your buy-in point? Do you need seventeen? Do you need like fifteen? What would be your buy-in like point? And a half, you know. Okay, like, so if it got to fifteen, you're good. You're in. Yeah. Um. You know, this is the biggest. Um. This is going to be the biggest double-digit favorite. He has been Mahomes. Um. You know, he's never covered a game on the road as a double-digit favorite. Uh, you know, I wish I had some analytical stuff to sit here and tell you, oh, they can do this, they can do that. It's just a number situation and just kind yeah. of the feel I have. I think the Chiefs are going to play this game like they did against the Rams, you know, kind of keep everything generic, kind of limit everything and just try to get through it without any injuries because why, why risk it? Um, Texans, you know, they're just trying to get that number one pick so they can get young. God, anything over 14. If it got to 14 and a half, 15, I'd be in. But right now I did nothing. So a little later in the week, you and I are going to be playing old Davis Mills at home. And that 
15 points that they're probably going to be getting as we continue along. Let's get to Eagles bears. Eagles are a nine point favorite on the road in this game over under 48 and a half. The Eagles are 12 and one this year, eight and five against the spread. The bears are three and 10 straight up four, eight and one against the spread. Remember they were a two and one team to start the year, the bears. And uh, this is, it was the sixth straight game for Fields to have at least 50-plus rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. It's the longest stretch for a quarterback since game logs were first tracked in 1950. Since week six, he had 711 rushing yards, which was trailing only Josh Jacobs going into their bye. Um, and he had missed a game, Fields, during that stretch. <laughs> um, the Bears had, in their last game, they lost the game where they had more total yards, more yards per play. They were better on third down, but they had three turnovers and five penalties for 63 yards that ended up being the difference in that game against the Packers. They also missed an extra point. We did see Claypool get more involved. He didn't have a ton of production, but it was five catches on six targets, only 28 yards, but a 24% target share. Komet also had a nice target share, 28% target share. He had six catches, 72 yards. And that was the first game without Mooney. So for both of them, we got to see them getting involved a little bit more. And the next step for Fields, it's we, we I think we we looked at Fields now and we said, okay, this guy can he's he's a legitimate NFL quarterback. He made some good throws. He's good with his legs. He's you know he's tough. I think he's a starting quarterback in the league. So now, what's the next step? Proving that you can win or proving that you can perform in clutch important moments this year inside his own 20 yard line. He's only 15 of 29, 198 yards, no touchdown passes and three interceptions in your own 20 and in gotta be better there. He's been sacked three times, 11 carries for only 36 yards and just seven rushing or passing first downs way back there. And in the fourth quarter of games, he's only 39 of 65. Three touchdowns, six interceptions, 13 sacks. I mean, that's what you'd expect with the young guy. You know, it's harder back there, and then it's harder later in the game. That's the next step for him. On the Eagles, man, like, Eric, I have two pages of notes on the Eagles, and they're basically all positive. Like, it's all, Hurts has been amazing. Like, every week, it's more things that he's doing for the first time. 10 touchdowns rushing this year and is the second quarterback ever to do it in back-to-back years 10 rushing touchdowns we just had miles sanders pass a thousand yards rushing we just had aj brown pass a thousand yards receiving so they've got an mvp candidate quarterback a thousand yard rusher a thousand yard wide receiver they're the only team in nfl with three players to have 10 plus scrimmage touchdowns all three of those guys have 10 touchdowns they have the best point differential in the league. Like all of their metrics are fantastic. They're number two in DVOA. Like they're like the anti Minnesota Vikings. Like every metric that you look at on offense and on defense, passing, rushing, like everything, they're in the top 10. This still feels like it's a, I mean, I don't know if I'm, la- I'm, I'm let's say this. I'm definitely not laying the number with the Eagles. Is it enough for you to play the Bears here? Yeah, I played the Bears. I mean, just for the at over draft. seven. Yeah, I played it at nine. My thought process is you're getting a team after they just basically locked up a playoff spot, and the game next week against the um, Cowboys, Cowboys is going to determine what's going on. 
They really want to just get through this game, get healthy. Uh, they do struggle against the run. I think this is going to be a good Montgomery game. Um, you know, the Eagles, you know, we talk about turnover aggression. They're plus 14. They're due for a little, like, turnover bad luck, so to speak. Um, yeah. You know, it's supposed to be cold and wet here over the weekend in Chicago where I am. I think that is going to play into the hands of the Bears it's going to kind of limit the big playability of the Eagles. And Soldier Field is a dump. I mean, this place is such a bad field. You get any water there, it's going to kind of eliminate your playmakers like the Sanders, the Hurts, and the Browns. So, yeah, I like the Bears here. I locked them in at nine. Anything over seven, good to go. I think this will be one of ours, too, with the uh, the Bears at home and fields, just trying to keep this game close enough for them. As we move to the Steelers and the Panthers, and the Panthers are the Panthers with four games remaining control their own destiny. If they go four and oh, they're in the playoffs. Uh, they'll, they'll be nine and eight and they will be your division winner and they'll have the tiebreakers over all of their divisional foes. And uh, Pittsburgh is five and eight straight up as is Carolina. Pittsburgh is six and six, a uh, six, six and one against the spread Carolina seven and six against the spread. The Steelers actually had um, a couple of, nice victories prior to that most recent Ravens game. And the thing about the Steelers was hard is, you know, Pickett's knocked out of the game early after like a body slam by Roquan Smith. Trubisky throws three interceptions. And I'd imagine like, they're not going to be rushing Pickett back. Right. Cause that's two concussions for him now this year. I, it's got to no, be Trubisky I, this year, right? This week. You know, I think they're going to just, I mean, they're Steelers for the most part, basically eliminated from the playoffs. I think they're going to play Trubisky just makes more sense. Yep. I know he gets a lot of flack, but, you know, I think I'd rather have Trubisky than Darnold. Uh, Trubisky, you know, has made it to the playoffs, has won a division when he had Nagy, and we all saw how what a god-awful coach Nagy is. We got Tomlin, who's 60% ATS as a road dog. Getting three or less, he's 64%, 58% ATS um, after a loss. I know the Panthers D has been doing better, but this is still a bottom third defense in the league per DVOA. They're giving up 128 yards per game against the run. I think Najee Harris, this is going to be a huge Najee Harrison uh, Walden game. They're going to lean on that rushing attack yet to kind of open up stuff for Trubisky. Trubisky will factor in a little bit more RPOs. And the main thing is, I mean, look, like this is Sam Darnold laying points. Like, this is requiring, like, I say it, I've said it with Tyler Heineke before, him to win with a margin. You know what I mean? You just don't need him to win. You need him to win by three points or more. You know, in his career, he's only 33% against it. I think you have a coaching advantage in Tomlin against um, Wilkes. You have Watt back there. You have, um, you know, we've talked about Watt being there, what that does for the Steelers defense and how it's a top 10 unit when Watt does play for the Steelers. You know, I'm getting anything over three or higher. I'm I'm betting the Steelers. That's just that's just it. On the Panthers side, uh, they're four and four since the coaching change, and in those eight games, they've had to start three different quarterbacks in just their will, last. I will say this: there's certain teams like I have a list of certain teams I'm looking at. If the Panthers, I like their roster. They got Horn, Burns, um, Brown on the defensive side. They got two good wide receivers in Moore and Marshall. Decent two, one, two, one combo in the running game. Offensive line is improving. But at the end of the day, this is a quarterback league. 
if they get someone else at quarterback, maybe in a rookie I'm enticed by, maybe they sign like a veteran or trade for somebody. I would look to be investing in this team to win the South or over under next year. So, I mean, I find them intriguing to me, but with Sam Darnold, no. Well, but the thing about what they're doing right now is they're, I will, I'm going to give the coach a lot of credit because they know exactly what you're saying and they're not asking a lot out of any of their quarterbacks. I figured you'd like this. I wrote down this uh, little quote here. So this was, uh, I think, from uh, Football Outsiders. They used an eight offensive lineman front in a game in their game last week. They call it the Arby's package. It was the first time they used it in their win over Seattle. And their their starting guard, Christensen, said, we've got the meats. So that's why that's what they all say when they when they bring out the Arby's package. So they they've gone with jumbo packages, six plus linemen, 56 times this year, which is third in the NFL, only behind your Lions and the Browns. So they're understanding their personnel. That's one thing that we gripe on with coaches a lot, right? Hey, you got to adjust to what you have there. You yeah. can't try to like scheme your guys into a scheme that they can't they can't um like produce in. It doesn't make any sense. You don't make a quarterback throw like deep throws down the field if he can't do it. So I agree with you. They a guy like a Sam Darnold or a Baker or you know the quarterbacks that they've had this year, they'll always have a ceiling with them. Um but at the very least this coaching staff is way better than Matt Rule and at least putting these guys in position to succeed. I mean, they ran 46 times last week uh, for 246 yards. They're 3-0 this year when they've run the ball 45 times. They held the ball for 39 minutes in that last game. And they had, so like, and a shout out to Sam because a lot of it was just handing off, but they had five drives of nine plus plays and they had 24 first downs. 14 running, 10 passing. They were able to milk the clock late. They ru- they ran the ball 17 times in a 19-play stretch just to run out the clock. So a much more competent team right now are the Panthers, but kind of a stay away for me. Eric seems like he's more on the, uh, the Steelers' side there at plus the three. Let's get to Cardinals and the Broncos. We have the Cardinals 4-9, 6-7 against the spread. The Broncos 3-10. Five and eight against the spread. I'd imagine these two teams thought life would be a little bit different for them coming into week 15, Eric, because last year at this point, the Cardinals were the number one seed in the NFC. And last year at this point, you know, Russell Wilson was playing for Seattle and life was much different. Now, Russell Wilson is probably not going to be playing this week because he had a concussion last week. He actually was having one of his better games. They had a big comeback. They were down 27. All of a sudden, they come all the way back. It's 27-21. Uh, Wilson finished with 247 yards, three touchdown passes, one interception. Also ran the ball pretty well. He had 57 yards rushing. And the 28 points they scored last week was a season high for Denver. Arizona played on Monday night, and we saw Kyler Murray get hurt recently. Their general manager has just announced that he's going to be stepping away from the organization due to what they're calling uh, you know, personal reasons or health reasons. And Eric, I I kind of la- jokingly went through all of the wrong, all of the bad stuff that's happened for the Cardinals in the last year. There is a lot of it out there. But are, are so th- is this going to be Ripian versus Colt McCoy? Yeah, it's going to be Ripian versus Mark Colt McCoy. You got to look at it <laughs> like this: like 
why would you play Russell Wilson? You just paid him all this money. You're three and ten. Your season's over. You've been eliminated from the playoffs. Why do you play? Yeah, no. Makes zero sense to play him. I know McCoy. People have this negative thing about him, but he is a a fine backup. He's a fine backup. Seventy-five percent ATS as a dog while playing for Kingsbury in the in the same exact role. You know, Kingsbury. These stats are absurd. 66% 66% ATS is a dog. 16, 4, and 2, 80% ATS is a road dog on the road in general. Okay. 28 and 2 ATS against coaches that don't have a Super Bowl win. 53% ATS. You know, he just kind of he has spots. He's better. He's a better coach than I think people realize. I think, I think. Because of all the offensive stuff, he kind of came into this league and people had this unrealistic bar for what they thought he was going to be. And um, you know what? He kind of, he had good starts, right? And so yeah. like right off the bat, he got off to good starts with his team. So we all thought maybe even right off the bat, oh, this guy might be a really good coach, but they were one of those teams that was kind of a little fluky in both years when they had hot starts. Oh yeah, for sure. And they can also they can also run the ball. That's really the weakness of this Denver defense. And let's I mean, I just don't know what this Denver team has to play. How, for. Why the hell should you Denver know? be? They don't, they don't even get you know what I mean? Like they don't even make, get their picks. Like I know there's nothing really for them to play for. I think this they just throw the the, th- the straight three out there because I don't think we really knew what to do with this game, but I agree with you. I would take anyone getting a field goal. I would take the Cardinals getting a field goal. Absolutely. And that's, that's the case here. This will probably be one of our plays too. Yeah. I locked it in at three just because I feel that once it's announced that Wilson isn't going to play, we're going to see. Then it'll go to, it'll go the other way because dude, if you're telling me it's Colt McCoy and Ripian, absolutely. I like Colt McCoy better as a more capable, you know, I think this number is just kind of priced. They don't know what's going to happen. Yep. Yep. Let's get to Patriots and the Raiders. So you have, the Patriots seven and six straight up, seven five and one against the spread. You have the Raiders five and eight straight up, six and seven against the spread. So the Raiders, the Raiders blew that game on Thursday Night Football to Baker Mayfield. Here are a couple of the these two teams this year are so funny. It's the Raiders, two of their losses this year, they lost to the Rams and Baker Mayfield. With no other like legitimate weapons whatsoever. Like all of their first string weapons hurt, gone, banged up, terrible offensive line. Raiders lose to that team. And they lost to the Jeff Saturday Colts this year when the guy had been not even in a week in the organization. And they lost to Baker Mayfield after two days. Like this team is bad. But here's what I will say. The Patriots are my team now that I really want to try to start picking on, Eric, because the Patriots this year, here are their wins. Pittsburgh, week two, by a field goal against Trubisky in a game that Pittsburgh absolutely should have won that game. No doubt about it. Mm -hmm. Their next win, they beat your Lions when the Lions were so banged up in week five, it was outdoors so golf wasn't quite as good the lions were missing like all of their skill position players and then during that game all of the defensive backs got hurt i think your team had four defensive backs get hurt during the game they played they played the browns who are bad with Brissett. they got the crap kicked out of them by the bears they beat the jets twice with wilson 
by one score in both of those games. One of the wins was a 10-3 win when the only reason they won is because they ran a punt back with like seconds remaining in the game. They beat Sam Ellinger in the the Colts, and then they played Arizona, and Kyler Murray got hurt in that game. They don't have any good wins at all. Like, they've been, and because of Belichick, if they play a team that's not well coached, they'll beat them. That's really who they are. And this is a weird game because of the Belichick-McDaniel stuff and his former coach. I, I don't know what to, to think about, like, the matchup and the scheme for these two teams. All I know is that the Patriots aren't very good. I'm not saying the Raiders are, but the Patriots don't have a very good resume this year. Raiders, worst team in the league defensively. Um, Carr just isn't picking up the offense. He's examining the field too much. Josh Jacobs is a little banged up. If he can't go, that's really the only thing that's going for the Raiders. He's already oh. set career highs in touches. Yep with carries and with catches for a grand total. He has a league high 313 touches in the last five years. Only 20 players, only 20 running backs have that many touches. He has four games to go yeah. still. Um, You know, Damian Harris has her Stevenson's her those guys not there. How much is that going to hurt the Patriots rushing attack and their overall offensive attack? Don't know. You know what I mean? Like, there's just yeah, a lot of questions. I, I, here. I don't want to do anything Me with neither. this game at Me all. Nothing. I mean, and they McDaniel's gave Jacobs 18 carries in the first half of the game uh, last week when he played. It was on Thursday. So think about that. On a Thursday, they gave him 18 carries in the first half, and then on Sunday they had he had 14 carries in the second half. So 14 carries. Four days later, they gave him 18 carries in the first half of a game. He had he's the only one in offense that can do anything. That's I know. The sad reality of the situation. And, and, and they just. Why, that's why they have to kind of keep on doing this stuff. Um, well, they're not robots or machines, you yeah. know, like it's. And he, I know he's only 24, but. That's a lot a of touches. Accident, and then you're just coming back and doing that. I know they're on extended rest. Look, I don't want anything to do with this. Me game. neither. They're, yeah. This is like just a pure pass. Stay away and just. This is the old Grinch. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. As we move to the Bengals and the Bucks for our next one. So uh, Bengals are a three and a half point favorite on the road in here. Over under in this game is 44. Tampa is six and seven straight up three, nine and one against the spread. The Bengals nine and four straight up 10 and three against the spread. They're a little banged up though. Right now in the first quarter, Boyd and Higgins both left to injury. Boyd could be out for a few weeks. They also left a key. uh, They also lost a key defensive player in Hendrickson. Who's likely going to miss a few weeks. Now chase stepped up for them. He caught 10 out of 15 targets for 119 yards. He also drew a 33-yard pass interference penalty. They were able to slay the dragon known as the Browns. Burrow had not beat the Browns previously. In the first match, What in their first game, what, what I really love is I like when I can see a coach making adjustments. They Chubb was crushing them over the last couple of years running the ball. They gave up over 140 yards rushing the first time these two teams played this year. This last game, the Bengals allowed 71 yards rushing. On 25 combined carries, just 2.8 yards per carry. Defense came up big with two sacks, three fourth down stops, and an interception 
on top of holding Chubb to just 2.8 yards per carry. On the flip side, Tampa was in a bad spot, man. That was a bad spot in that game, having to play on the short week after the Monday night game against San Fran. Just a bad matchup for them. Um, Evans had a 68-yard touchdown catch called back by a holding penalty. He's had nine games in a row without a touchdown. Smith, their offensive lineman that got called for the penalty, it was the second week in a row that he has had a penalty that took away a touchdown for them. So they've been hurt by him uh, recently, and they just they can't run the ball. They rank last in the league with 72.9 rushing yards per game. The next-to-last team has 11 more rushing yards per game than they do. They're last with 3.3 yards per carry, only four rushing touchdowns on the year. They only have 22 rushing attempts per game, which is also last. I mean, this is a a much better spot for them. This feels like a great spot for Tampa being undervalued. Everybody just saw them get beat up. And Cincy is overvalued right now. You and I both like Cincy, but they're they're a buzzy team right now. Everyone's kind of jumping on them as like a totally legitimate AFC contender. Does this line entice you on Tampa side? Is it enough for you to dive in? I took it at, um, at four. I would still do it anything over three. I agree. NFL's all about buying low, selling high. Teams on a five-game winning streak that are road favorites of three and a half or more. Only 46% ATS. Flip side, teams that have lost by 28 points or more the previous week that are home dogs, 59% ATS. Bengals are coming off a good stretch of Titans, Chiefs, and Browns. I think this is a little bit of a letdown spot. You mentioned the injuries. Hendricks is a big one on the defensive line. Plus, you have the two in um, Boyd, Boyd, and, um, Boyd and Higgins. I think that uh, – I'm not saying that the Bucks are going to win this game. But I, think I, don't it'll, think, I don't think it's going to be a blowout, though. I don't I feel... think the Bengals are going to win by over three. No. Um, I I like the Bucks here. You know, anything over three is a buy. I got them at four. Let's go to the Titans and the Chargers. Three more games to discuss on our uh, NFL Week 15 slate. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here. So we get to Titans-Chargers. Chargers are a three-point favorite in this game. Over-under is 47.5. We have the Chargers 7-6, and six, the Titans 7-6 and six also. Both of these teams are 8-5 and five against the spread. The return of Williams and Lindsley really helped that Chargers offense last week. They had a 10-point lead at the half. At the half, Williams had four catches for 58 yards. He had an Awesome catch in the first half. He finished with six catches, 116 yards. He's finished with a hundred yards four times this year. Chargers are three and one in those four games. It was a career high in completions for Herbert. He completed 39 passes and now he has thrown for the most yards ever in a quarterback's first three seasons in the NFL. He had a next-gen stats record with 13 completions on the run. He looked healthier. He's been a little bit banged up, and the scheme hasn't helped him, and his receivers weren't there, and his offensive line's been banged up. Like He just looked like he was moving well, and the offense was moving well. They just looked faster than they've looked in prior weeks. That was the first time all year that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams finished a game together. And that's really the key for this team. Can they get healthy down the stretch? Can those two guys stay healthy? Lindsley, Derwin James, Sebastian Joseph Day, Trey Pipkins, Joey Bosa. They could get all of them back. And then all of a sudden, this could be a very live underdog 
in the playoffs, if their team was, you know, a much different team than played throughout a lot of the year. But the Titans, just like we were talking about, are probably really undervalued right now because they come off of three straight losses for the first time since week five through seven in 2018. And this is just not a spot that you normally see Vrabel in losing quite like this. Like all of the metrics I will tell you here are not great for the Titans. And that's kind of why I like them in this spot. Um, at three or over, I think it's a, it's good value here. It was uh, the first time since 2013, they lost at home to the Jags. They were down. So Derrick Henry only had two second half carries. And he had 96 yards in the first quarter. And, and a 50-yard run, but they couldn't keep giving him the ball because they were down. They had four turnovers in the game that gave the Jags 20 points. Three turnovers on their first six drives. Like, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you turn the ball over three out of the first six times, you're probably going to be done. They also got pressured on 40% of their dropbacks, but I do like the tight end. Uh, Okonkwo, in the last two games since Burks got hurt, 53% route participation, 17% target share. In his two weeks, he's been tight end nine and then tight end two in fantasy. I mean, but this Titans team, they could not stop Ingram at all last week. Maybe we give a look again to uh, to Chargers tight end Everett here. Talk to us about Titans Chargers. Are you going back to your boy Vrabel as the dog in this spot? Yeah, uh, you know, 57% road dog, 61% in a dog in general. Small dog, you know, that is getting three points or less, six and two, 75 percent flip side. Chargers are the team I like taking as a dog, fading as a favorite. Staley is only 42 percent ATS as a dog. We all know the Titans like to run the ball. Chargers' weakness is stopping the run, 25th DVOA against the run. Burks is coming back, that's going to open stuff up in the passing lane, not allow these safeties to kind of cheat it up and um, help against Henry. Plus, Titans have an absolutely huge coaching advantage. We all know the second half is when the coaching adjustments happen. Staley is 8-21-1 ATS in the second half against the number. That just tells me everyone else is just out coaching him and just making better second half adjustments than he is. So, yeah, I like the uh, I like the Titans at Benham at three. We're on the Titans side here. Final two games of the slate. Let's get to Sunday Night Football, Eric. We've got the Giants, and we've got the Commanders. So this is a rematch of a couple weeks ago where these two teams played, and they tied. And they both come into this game with the identical record of 7-5-1. The Giants are 9-4 against the spread. The Commanders are 7-5-1 against the spread. This game is in Washington. So the line is Washington minus 4.5. Over-under is 40 and a half. The Commanders have won five of their last seven, and in those two games that they lo- that they didn't win, there's a tie and a loss in a game. They were up double digits in the fourth quarter and blew the game to the Vikings. Yeah, uh, they they did get sacked five times last week, and they had to start uh, in their last game. They had to start with four drives inside of their own twelve yard line. They actually have the worst starting field position in the league. Their average drive starts on the twenty five. Uh, which is the worst. Then you have uh, McLaren. Here's what's interesting about him. When they are down in games, he has 59 targets, 641 yards, 16.4 yards per reception, two touchdowns, and 29 first downs when the commanders are trailing. Entering week 14, 
only Tyreek Hill had more, more first downs trailing and only Waddle averaged more yards per catch. So he's quietly been having a good year and he's been doing it when they really needed him trying to come from behind. You have the Giants who they're 0-3-1 and in their last four and they just really haven't gotten much from Barkley lately. Last week they couldn't because they were getting killed by the Eagles, but they've allowed 28.3 points per game over their last six games. They allowed the Eagles to score a season-high 48 points. The run defense gave gave up 8.2 yards per carry. The offensive line gave up five sacks. So the run, the, the defensive front was bad. The offensive front was bad. They couldn't run. They just got destroyed last week. And, I mean, you, you, we look at Barkley this year, weeks one through seven. He was averaging 24 touches per game. 129.4 yards per game, 5.3 yards per touch. Since since then, his last six starts, touches are down from 24 to 20. Yards per game, 129.4 all the way down to 73 yards per game. 5.3 yards per touch all the way down to 3.5 yards per touch. Early in the year, he looked like one of the best players in football, Eric, and that was something that was helping them in a lot of these close games because their metrics, they never said they were a great team, but they were they were being well-coached, well-handled, and then Barkley was breaking a big run or two, and that would be the difference in a lot of these games. And right now, he just looks like another normal guy, and you wonder if, you know, I think he had 35 carries in a game earlier this year. Just like we're seeing with Jacobs, it starts to add up. You get these little bumps and bruises, and you get banged up. And you just don't have the same kind of burst that you used to. Yeah. Um, you know, he's definitely hitting the wall. Um, it's kind of sad, though, you know, after what what Barkley's, you know, went through. I look at this game like this. It's a real weird situation. Um, and I'm kind of going against my grain of thought here. Well, this is a total playoff game, right, yeah. for these two teams. Total, because- yeah, losers basically eliminated. You have the commanders. Now, the situation for the commanders is this. They just played this team. They had a bye, and now they're playing them again. So they've so basically weird. been preparing for the Giants for three straight weeks. Yep. The Giants are coming off playing the Eagles, the Eagles and getting beat up that, like 38% ATS. But I actually bet the Giants here. And my thought process is this. It's a playoff game with a low total. I think this is going to be a three-point game. And when you have these quarterbacks that I don't perceive that are good, like Heineke is a guy you like playing as a dog, not as laying more than a field goal. Have requiring him to, to be win pretty with close margin. to perfect, right? Yeah, not make any mistakes. Is something you know? Daniel Jones, fifteen and seven on road games, fourteen and five. That's seventy four percent as road dogs. Um, you know he's a little bit more mobile. He's a little. He can do a little bit more with his feet compared to Heineke. I think. I think this Heineke love is kind of funny to me because he's not, at the end of the day, he's not as good as everyone thinks he is. No, not at all. I think people, he, people sort of like him because he's a guy that you want to have, that you see like you want to have a beer with. Yeah. He seems like he's cool. He'll take a punch. You know what I mean? Like he'll go in there and lay out a block for someone, but he's not like super talented. He just kind of has like, he's got some balls, you know, like you, you can see him and he's kind of a tough dude and he's, he's probably just a lot cool like i think with with a guy like him when you compare him to someone like carson wentz who just seems like a total wet noodle even when like you hear him talk 
or like, you know, the energy around him. I think that's the difference is that people just feel a lot better about Heineke, but I agree with you. He's not like, he's better than the options that they have. I don't know if he's really a top 20 starting quarterback in the league. Right. Like I, he's a bottom third still. Like, I don't know if he's above average. I don't he's think a bottom so. third guy in the league. I yeah, like requiring him to win with margin. You know what I mean? That's yep. It's too much. That's to ask. What it is. You know, these games going to be played tight to the ch- chest. Um, I think we're going to, I wouldn't play Barkley in any fantasy because like you said, his numbers are going down. We can obviously tell he's hitting the ball. And what do you expect? He's coming off an injury shortened last two seasons. This is expected. He needs to stay healthy. If the giants have any, aspirations of doing anything they need him there so instead of giving him 20 carries and having him tired out you need to give him 15 carries over the four quarters you know what i mean you just have to be a little bit more strategic Mm -hmm. with the touches and how you get him involved i think it's very doable like i said like i like the giants here i locked him in a four and a half let's finish up eric with monday night football when they set the schedule for this game they probably thought man Rams and Packers. This is going to be a big game. These were your two, uh, two of your top three betting favorites in the NFC this year to make the Super Bowl. These two teams in Tampa were the teams that everybody figured would be towards the top of the uh, the NFC. Not the case. You have the four and nine Rams. They are five seven and one against the spread. You have the five and eight Packers, who are five and eight against the spread. Packers, man, that rookie Watson, he has seven touchdowns in the last four games, seven touchdowns out of 25 receptions. And so that's what's kind of fluky, right? It's not like the guy's getting 10 catches a game. So it's a little bit harder to sustain, but he is making the big plays. They scored 18 points to come from behind in the fourth quarter to beat the Bears last time we saw them. And they finally decided to run the ball a little bit with Dylan. He had his best game of the year. He finished with 18 carries, 93 yards, and a touchdown, which was a season high in all three of those for him. Um, but they were playing against the Bears, who was who were missing three pieces in the secondary, and they needed Fields to throw two late interceptions in order for them to win that game. It wasn't like a weird back moment for the Packers or anything. For the Rams side, oh, he's cooking it up. He's cooking something up. It's Baker. It's that Baker Mayfield. The Rams got the ball back with one minute and 45 seconds left down six points, no timeouts left. And the ball was on their own two yard line. Here's what I will say about Baker. And we've, you and I have had a lot of fun talking about Baker over the last couple of years, because I'm, I'm higher on Baker than you are, but I've never been the type of person who like Baker has not been good this year. I'm not going to say Baker was good. Baker was the worst of the three quarterbacks that played for the Panthers this year. And so we can like, like we can say, okay, yeah, Baker was in a bad spot with Matt Rule and all that. Sam Darnold and PJ Walker have looked better than Baker did. That's a that's a fact. He looked a lot different this in this week this last week though, and I don't know if he's going to again. But he he looked a lot more comfortable, just like his body language and stuff was better. Um, and you know what? He actually made some throws that were better than. Any game this year that I watched in in the games that we rewatch, he played every possession after the first, and he finished the week graded quarterback number 16 overall, two big-time throws, zero turnover-worthy plays, and on the game-winning touchdown drive, he had three tight-window completions that traveled over 30 yards in the air. He joined the team two days before, 
playing and that's the shortest amount of time spent with a new team before playing quarterback since 1995. So, hey, I don't know if he's done, if he's got anything left, but that last game was a lot better than he's looked most of this year and and in a lot of the games last year too when he was hurt. So, at the very least his body language and his energy was was good in his first start with the Rams. And he kind of made a joke after the game. He was at the podium and he was answering the questions. And then he finished and he, he, he walked off the podium and he started looking around and he asked like the Rams, like PR person, where do I go? He didn't even know where he, like where he was. He didn't know like the rooms that they were in, like where yeah. to go. It was pretty funny. It's like, where the hell do I go? I just got here. Um, McVeigh played that game like a jaw golf game in his ear the whole time. Absolutely, you're right. Totally, and put him in the best position to win. Um, you know, this is just one of those games. Like, I think I don't know. You know, you got the Rams just winning that game, so I think this line is a little has come down a little bit. It was eight. Some shops have it at six and a half. So money is coming in on the Rams. But it's really trust hard for me to trust that Mayfield's going to be able to do that again this time on the road in Green Bay. Flip side of that, you have the Packers, who let's face it, they would need an absolute miracle to get into the playoffs. Um, and but technically they're still alive. But with how they played, how can you even trust them at all? This is a stay away for me. You know what I mean? Like, it's like they, they shouldn't be favored by a touchdown, but you're right. If Baker – and the thing about, like, if Baker doesn't look good this week, just keep in mind, the Rams right now don't have a – they have one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Their receivers – their one and two receivers are both out. So it's not like they've got playmakers over there either. Like, he could look awful, and they could just get beat up. But – I, I mean, I, I would not be laying the number with Green Bay, sure as hell, laying like seven points. I just, I don't know if I can get in on the Rams. Well, and let me say this. I missed the better of the number, so I wouldn't get in right now. If this number floated back up to eight, you know, I could see myself being involved there, but I've probably got six or seven games that it seems like you and I like throughout the week, so I don't think I'm going to be like feeling the rush to get in on this game. I, I have plenty of other action. Yeah, I mean, same with me. Like, I I have a lot out there. There's nothing really. Yep. I'm not going to rush anything. I mean, Packers could win out. They could go 9-8. and eight. I guess that's the only thing. But, you know, I think this number, I don't know. It's just kind Pretty, of. Yeah, I mean, nothing, it's a big number. I really but, do. yeah, I just, I can't feel a strong lean one way or the other. So, for us, Eric, it looks like we're going to go Seattle plus the three. Colts plus the four and a half. We've got the Bears plus the nine. We've got the Jags plus the four and a half. And we've got, we're going to go Tampa. Let's go Vrabel. Yeah. Tight, Titans plus the three. So we've got uh, Seattle, Colts, Bears, Jags, Titans, five dogs, all teams getting a field goal or more. Let's have a nice, successful week 15. So you and I are recording this early. And I'm actually going to play it on my podcast over the weekend, but I'm going to stream it like late, um, ap- just not long after you and I record. So anyone that hears this, if you want to check in with us on Thursday morning, uh, actually it's Thursday afternoon, 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, 11 a.m. Pacific time, Eric and I do just a quick little like 10-minute 
Twitter spaces where we give out a couple of prop plays and just a couple overall plays for Thursday. Eric usually has another NBA or college game. I usually have a couple plays in the football game. So Eric will have that tomorrow. You and I will be getting, uh, will be starting our college bowl game previews with uh, our better than Vegas preview show. That'll be running uh, uh, early Friday morning. And then on uh, Saturday and Sunday, we'll be having some previews for better than Vegas. So I'll be talking to you quite a bit over the next few days. And do you have your normal schedule with uh, with your podcast and stuff coming out this week? Tell us everything. Yeah, I have a podcast coming out on Friday. And then I have my stream coming out Thursday at 10 p.m. on YouTube. Appreciate the uh, the pushing back and always being adjustable, buddy. We were recording this one late on uh, Wednesday night. And I know it's very late for you where we are right now. And you've had a long day. So Always appreciate you uh, moving around and helping us out. And I look forward to talking to you the next few days. Good luck uh, in your plays. Actually, you and I will be talking in uh, in just a few hours again. So talk to you again very soon, my friend. Sounds good. Talk soon. That's Eric there. You hear him each and every week from Etoff 21 Sports. Don't go anywhere, folks. We still have a lot more on this episode of That's What G Said. And if you're watching or listening on social media, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Make sure to give Eric a follow on social media and uh, make sure to check out all of the That's What G Said podcast content. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering. 
multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Better you want to spread your pony knowledge Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Make sure to tune in every Friday morning. That is at 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern time for this weekend in Stable Duel. It is our Friday and Saturday preview show where we give you all the information about the Stable Duel contest for the weekend. We dish out our best bets. It's only 5-1 to and up. It's the no chalk zone with myself, with Matt DeSantis, and with the sniper, the urban handicapper, Barry Spears. Let's get into some best bets. For Friday for Gulfstream Park. Race number one, we're looking at the number three, Sand Dancer. It's going to be the first time back at this low of a level. The only other time that this horse has been at this type of level was back in December on the synthetic when he won. This seven-year-old has faced a lot tougher throughout his career. And it seems like he's rounding back into form. I think he can take a nice step forward in this race. He's just been, you know, off for a while recently. He raced back in February, then he had five months off. He comes back, he races, and then another three-plus months off. With that one under his belt, after he middle-moved into it, I think this should be a much better spot for him. And he's not going to get played a whole lot because he's 0 for 15 on the Gulfstream turf, but he does have four seconds and a third. And all of those races were against better. Like a couple starts back, he was in against 50 claimers on the turf. He finished fourth in a race where the second place finisher, Life uh, Lamplighter Jack, had won four in a row. The winner, Mo, the third place finisher, Mo Hawk, came back to win next time out. Order in Law was a horse who had been in some tougher spots. Sand Dancer, second off the break. I think it's a, a nice spot. Six to one for Sand Dancer. Let's move to race number three on Friday. We're on the dirt, going a mile in here, made in special weights. I like the number four, Big Data, who had a slow start in his debut, but he recovered pretty well. He got forced out a little bit by his rival to the inside. He made a big, wide move all the way up to the lead at the top of the lane. He finished a strong second that day, and I think he can take a nice step forward in career start number two. He's a very fair price of 6-1 to one on the morning line. Let's move to race number seven on Friday. Looking at the two in here, one America, this guy feels like the one to catch. In his most recent start at Laurel, it was on a sloppy racetrack, but he was right on the lead, flashing legitimate sprint speed. In his four starts, actually his last four starts, he's shown speed in all of them, and they've been coming for a new barn. So it's like this barn has kind of got him figured out now. He's always right on the lead, and he's been running well. Three of his last four races have been really good. The only race that he didn't really fire was on September the 25th when he lost to a horse named Barberini, who we're going to see in a stakes race on Saturday. That horse has won three in a row and has won four of five. This is a good spot 
for one America. I don't really know who pushes him early. It looks like the rest of this field is a bunch of pressers. The Carinade has a little bit of speed that they showed on the slop at Thistledown last time. I don't think it's the same type of speed that one America has. Let's give the two a big long look in here. Six to one on the morning line. If we can get anything over seven to two, we'll make a win wager there. In the eighth race on Friday at Gulfstream, let's look at the one classic vinyl. This gal will be trying the turf for the first time. And she won her debut, and then in her second start, she just put a line right through it. Didn't really fire it. It was a tough spot, and it was on the slop. Both of her races have been on muddy racetracks. So while her figures are a little bit low, she actually should take a nice step forward here on the turf. Dam was a three-time winner on the grass. Two of three siblings that tried turf won on it. One of them was uh, two for three. And I think she will really, really improve in here. And I think she fits well with this group. She beat two next out winners in the debut. So I'm not really worried about her figures being a little low. Classic vinyl, 12 to 1 on the morning line. If we can get anything over six, I think that's fair value on classic vinyl in race number eight at Gulfstream on Friday. So good luck on the Friday Gulfstream Park races. Let's move from Friday Gulfstream to Saturday Gulfstream, and we're going to look towards the back part of the Saturday card in races 9, 10, and 11 for our Saturday best bets for Gulfstream Park. Let's, uh, yeah, let's take a look at race number 9, and there was a horse that I just mentioned a few minutes ago, and that's a horse who I'm going to mention again right now. That is the number 11 in race number 9, and that's Barbarani. This is a horse who is in really nice form. This is a 2-mile turf race. The Allen Jerkins handicap. Barberini is sharp, has won three in a row, has won four of five. Honestly, if you put a line through his debut race back in July of 2021, since then, everything has been good. He's honest. He's in great form right now. And this is the perfect time to step up, face a little bit better, and try to go longer because there's not really the depth in these divisions. There's not a lot of races going a mile and a half to two miles like this. So, Give him a chance in here. Barberini, third start of the form cycle. I'm thinking a big one's coming. 8-1 to one on the morning line. Let's move to race number 10. I like the three in here. Celestial Glaze. This one has recently run into a couple really sharp horses. Felt like he was kind of turning the corner, and he's shown some nice improvement. He put together back-to-back -to -back wins in June and then in August. And since then, he faced Sea Trident. Sea Trident has won three times with two seconds in his last five, and one of those seconds was when he actually crossed the wire first and got DQ'd. Then on October the 22nd, he runs into the Distractor, who has won three straight. In his last eight starts, that horse has won six and has two seconds by a nose and a head. Frosted Ar uh, Armor was the horse who beat Celestial Glaze on November the 25th. All three of those races were not bad for Celestial Glaze. He just ran into sharp horses. Frosted Armor has won the last two and three of the last five, was second by a head in that mix. He showed a little bit of versatility. He doesn't have to be that far back as he has in his last couple. Celestial Glaze, 6-1 to one on the morning line. And let's move to race number 11. I rarely play horses like this. There's just not much speed in this race. The only other horse who's shown real speed in here is the one winging it. And winging it hasn't shown much since returning from a long layoff. Jerry's turn gets back to the turf. He looks like the one to catch. He's now run long three times in a row. So he could be a little bit fitter now. And he has legitimate sprint speed. He's been right on the lead going five and a half furlongs. 
nobody else in here looks like they can go with him early. We don't want to take a short price. You need like five to one on him. The number six, Jerry's turn in race number 11. Couple plays for you at Gulfstream Park. Don't forget about the Saturday Gulfstream Park contest for Stable Duel. Let's move from Gulfstream and let's head over to Oaklawn Park for a few plays for Oaklawn. We're looking at Oaklawn Saturday, December the 17th, and let's look at race number four with the number four, Sinner's Sin. He can fly early. And now he's a first-time gelding. The real key to the race is the horse right to his outside named Town Branch, who's shown some route speed. I mean, he's been close to the lead sprinting a couple times, but I don't think Town Branch is as quick as Sinner's Sin. So we should probably know pretty early where we stand with Sinner Sin, and I don't want to take a short price. He feels like about 7-2 to two is, is fair on him. Let's see if we can clear the field. He comes out of a race where he was behind a couple really nice horses. Top of the charts was a next-out winner with a 92 buyer. was actually favored in the Ellis Park Derby in his third start, and he just didn't really fire that day. And the runner-up, Improbable Journey, came back to win a maiden special weight next time out. Sinner Sin, number 4, in race 4 at Oaklawn on Saturday. Let's turn the page to race number 7. It's the Poinsettia. Five and a half furlongs, four filly and mares, three-year-olds. I'm looking at the number six in here, Sarah Harper. Cutting back this four-year-old filly just ran at seven furlongs, and she's shown us that I think she can sit off a little bit if she has to. She's drawn towards the outside, as you would expect in a five and a half furlong race. There's a good amount of speed in here, but I actually think she's got some ability, and she's run well at Oaklawn Park. I'm going to give her a shot in here, Sarah Harper, 6-1 to one on the morning line, anything around 4, that's fair value. Race number 8, I'm on the number 7 in here, Winterwood, who has been really unlucky in a couple of his starts. He is now going to go third start off the bench, and in his most recent race on November the 2nd at Churchill, he was a step slow at the start, he was last in a field of 9, and he was about 8 or 9 lengths off of it early on, and then he started the roll. And he was in the three path, but he was in between horses and he moved inside. Then he had to kind of shift outside. He was in the four path. He was second best that day. He ran really well. And now he has the opportunity to continue to progress. He'll be making his third start of the current form cycle. You look at, you know, back in July, he took a shot on the turf, had some trouble that day and ran a race that's a little bit better than it might look on paper. And then back in March at Oaklawn Park, he had a brutal trip on March the 4th. Prior to that, he was a winner here, breaking his maiden at Oaklawn, going a mile in a 16th. I like Winterwood. Third start off the bench. He's 8-1 to one on the morning line. If we can get anything around 6, that's fair value for a win wager. Throw him into all your exotics. And then we go to the ninth race. It's the Tinsel. I think Last Samurai, very classy individual. He won the Oaklawn Handicap here last year. He has fired some big, big races here at Oaklawn Park. He should be able to save all the ground from the inside. He has a nice little tactical style where he can be forwardly placed, but not necessarily right on the lead. That's kind of what happened in the Oaklawn race. He kind of was right on top. Then he just sat and dropped back a little bit and then moved through again. A nice opening. I like Last Samurai. He's 9-2 on the morning line. If we can get anything around 7-2, that's fair value on him. A couple plays for you for Oaklawn, Saturday, December the 17th. Best of luck over at Oaklawn Park. 
Let's finish up the racing with Remington Park for Saturday night. It's the Springboard Mile night. They have a really nice stakes card, and I found a couple of horses throughout the night that I think you can use in some of your exotics. Let's move to race 9. We'll look at races 9, 11, and 12. All three of them are stakes races. I think the stakes start in like the 7th race or so, right around there, but just a really nice card. So in the ninth race, there looks like there's a lot of speed in here. Olivia Twist is nice. She won by 15 lengths in her last start, but it wasn't like she was going all that fast early. Now, we know she can go faster because in her sprint debut, she was right on the lead going 22-2. and two. Let's see if she can deal with the pace of Faith alone. She's going to have to deal with pressure from Bonnie View. It looks like uh, Do You Do You Do You Want to Dance on the outside is going to show a little bit of speed also. The real true closer at this distance to me is Jokes on Blue. Wins the debut at Ellis, comes back in a stakes race right here at Remington, finishes a good third. Then on October the 30th, goes to Churchill, and it's on a sloppy racetrack that day. On November the 21st, right here, it's a small field. Olivia Twist just gets out front and cruises. And yeah, maybe she's not quite as good as Olivia Twist, but she should get a lot better trip in here. I think she saves all the ground. I think she comes running late. Jokes on blue, five to one on the morning line. Anything around three to one plus is fair value there. In the tenth race, it's the she's all in, and we are looking at oh, excuse me, the eleventh race. <laughs> I was like, who do I even like in this race? I don't know because I don't like anyone, but I do like someone in the eleventh, the Jeffrey A. Hawk Memorial, number one dude. He couldn't get to lone speed last time out. He couldn't get the lone speed two starts back. Both of those lone speed horses are in this race. Also, Eastside Cool is pretty quick. He was He's also in this race. Caddo River on the outside. I think they're going to want to be pretty close up. I can't imagine they want to be too far out of it. There are three or four horses in here who should all be pushing the pace. And number one dude could sit a great trip right behind him. He was in between horses in that last start. Kind of got bumped around a bit. And forced back to fifth. He was three lengths off. And he moved up to the outside into the clear. He made a really nice three deep bid. But the winner, Hot Rod, Hello Hot Rod, had a little more left in the tank. Because he was able to set some pretty slow fractions early. So he did have plenty left. Let's go to the two. Number one dude, six to one on the morning line. Anything over four will make a win wager there. In the springboard mile... I'm a big fan of Giant Mischief. He might be the real deal. He might be legit. I'm not sure what to do with Echo again. The price horse for me is Little Sweet Thing. Her debut was impressive, and she showed us that she can be right on the lead. Then in her second start, she hooks a sloppy racetrack. Or I can say she. He hooks a sloppy racetrack. And he comes running a little bit late. He finishes fourth. He just doesn't really seem like he liked it. Then in his third start, they stretched out to a mile. Sat off the pace nicely. I mean, he really got a perfect trip. Fourth, about three lengths off. He made an early three-wide mood up mood up the challenge. And actually did have to battle American Outlaw and put that rival away late. I was impressed. I'll use Little Sweet Thing and Giant Mischief in all exotics. Little Sweet Thing is 12 to 1 on the morning line. That's a fair price. Anything around 8 or so feels like what, what he should be. So that's some Remington Park for you for Saturday night. Best of luck at Remington, at Oaklawn, at Gulfstream this weekend. That's where my focus will be. Right now, if you're looking for the opportunity to upgrade your home, maybe you need to relocate, maybe you're thinking about selling, 
you need to contact Cindy Carava, full service realtor, Cindy Carava, the website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. She can help you with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to the right type of vendors if you're looking for home improvement. She'll let you know how much your home is worth if you want a free market analysis. She's going to answer any questions for you if you have any concerns about things happening in the market. She'll let you pick her brain. She'll give you some great feedback. CindyCarava.com, one of the kindest and most genuine people you will ever meet. If you need help with the loan process, she'll connect you with the lenders that will expedite that and make it a lot easier for you. She'll check all the boxes. She'll take care of all the things that you're not even thinking of. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Time to get into this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. We talk about WWE, SmackDown. We talk about Raw. We get into NXT, everything going on with Mandy Rose. We talk about Deadline. Then we get into AEW, uh, what happened on Dynamite. We talk a little bit about the Ring of Honor pay-per-view, which is basically AEW. Chad Cooper on This Week in Wrestling. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's This Week's Wrestling Recap. All right, calm down. And here he is. Your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper! Well, I had to uh, check in on Chad Cooper to make sure he's doing okay because he was hanging out with Steve-O. And you never know what, what could come after a night with Steve-O, where you could go, where that could take you. I would... If you have like a nail through your hand or thrown <laughs> off of different things, Chad Cooper joins us. Dive into everything happening in the world of pro wrestling. Last week on SmackDown, it was my man Kurt Angle's birthday celebration, and it was great because they they were able to get the inside jokes that I think people wanted. They got yeah. the Jason Jordan. Uh, Jason Jordan <laughs> when it gave him a, a card that said "Happy Birthday." Like. The best dad ever, something like that. That looked like it was written by a kindergartner and drawn. It was, it was hilarious. And then, I think a lot of people have have really wanted Chad Gable and Kurt Angle interactions for a while, yeah. um, because a lot of people have you know seen glimpses of Kurt Angle in Chad Gable. So we got them together. We got the milk truck. We got a way to bring Gable Stevenson out there. So. It was it was a lot of fun on on SmackDown. It's always fun when you can have like a celebration like that. And and Kurt has become like super beloved in in WWE. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it, it seems like anytime that WWE brings back a legend, um, especially someone like Kurt Angle, um, they do it right. Man, was it done right? Just the the birthday card or the 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 card alone was so from, funny. What what made made the entire me and then that the handwriting as you said you know they just <laughs> little details like was... that you know it's just pushing over and of course the milk truck hey look and i and i like the the interaction we saw stevenson with uh with uh who braun Strowman. Mm-hmm. um so just uh you know getting him in the mix good night yeah, yeah. i think getting yeah. him in the mix with everybody else was good we uh we kicked off the night with a, a fun tag team championship match usos beat sheamus and butch Keep an eye on uh, on a couple of our stars who are hurt right now, like Drew McIntyre. Curious, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, hopefully he's he'll be okay, and maybe they'll keep him off TV for a few weeks and have him just kind of show back up at the Rumble. But that was a hell of a match, by the way. That it was, was a great match. It was, it was fire. 
really good match. And then we uh, we had our guy L.A. Knight come out, <laughs> and this was great. I mean, th- I'm really enjoying the slow burn with this feud because we're we've talked about like the timing right now. You're in. Yeah. Sort of a weird spot. There's still like five or six weeks till the Royal Rumble. You have to have things going on TV that you don't just want to have ended. I I like this. It actually, this is a good spot for LA Knight. We were maybe worried that he would get, I don't know, just kind of lost in the shuffle on the on the main roster. But they feel like he's a star. They're treating him like a star. And what's key is he's getting a chance to talk every week. That that's the key for him. Coming out, cutting his promos. And I think each week you can feel the people just kind of like, oh, hey, this guy's this guy's pretty good on the mic. You know, I think it was they hit a home run putting uh, L.A. Knight in with Bray Wyatt and vice versa. I think this was a home run for Bray Wyatt. Uh, you know, talk about we were concerned with L.A. Knight. You know, the gimmick, uh, the Max Dupree, uh, the model Max gimmick. Dupree! Uh, it just didn't – it was fun on paper. And they had a couple of interesting moments, but uh, we know his, his best attribute uh, is both on the mic and in ring. And, and then again, with look, you gotta you've gotta sing praise where praise is due. You know, I've, I've got some negatives coming up on Raw. Um, there was a reason why I, I think there was a, a reason or two why that Raw's ratings have dipped over the last couple of weeks. But Friday nights are on fire, and I I just love the way they're doing with Bray Wyatt. You know. Because once you throw him in the ring and we see him do something, you kind of can't go back. The newness is worn off, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, where do we go from here? And this is just so mystic, and you don't have to rush this guy again. Like last week, it's like an Undertaker type. Only put only put him in the ring when it's really, really needed. And I think it, it's it's really going to help both of these guys. Now, uh, we had a. I just got a shout out, Kathy Kelly. It looks just fantastic she, Doing yeah. their interviews yeah. She's back now and wow And she's such a fun like follow on social media She's got like a great personality And yeah. Yeah, she robot. She's just like There are a couple really uh, good Reporters that I think It doesn't feel coincidental that are girls That have a little bit more personality To them and that show that on You know on the show and I think Because the AEW got Renee Sure. I I wonder if WWE said, "Hey, you know what? We have a couple of these girls here who are have a lot of personality, who can be really fun. Let's maybe let them use that a little bit more." And I, I think they're starting to uh, to show that a bit. And for the uh, the women, we actually had a women's tag match. That shout out to uh, uh, the ladies because we we were I was a little bit surprised to see that you know we would have live. And Tegan be able to pick up a victory over, um, you know, Ronda and Shayna. I did not see that one coming. It was a distraction finish, but it shows like the baby faces all starting to team up. Raquel Rodriguez comes out there. So you wonder if, you know, this leads to Raquel and Ronda. And this could, you know, this should be setting up Liv and Tegan, right, for the uh, the women's tag team championship matches. I think we have a couple big SmackDowns coming up, right? Like a big big things set up because we have Ricochet Gunther set up for the IC title. We have the women's tag team championship set up, and we also have John Cena coming back in two weeks from now. 
Yeah, um, interesting here because we always talk about champions uh, not needing to lose. And if, if you put them in a tag match, uh, that is a, a way to protect them is have the their tag partner lose. I, I was okay with this. Yeah, I didn't mind it either. I, yeah, it, it didn't go very long. I'm okay with that. I, you know, I think uh, it, it just feels like to me with Tegan Knox coming back and them already uh, having a win – over Shayna and uh, Ronda, man, it just feels like to me they're going to win these these tag team titles. I wouldn't be shocked either. I, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if they do, and then they bring them over to SmackDown, and we have them, you know, against Ronda sure. and uh, and Shayna. As yeah, we we ended up with a six man tag: Gunther, Ludwig, and Vinci versus Ricochet, Xavier, and Kofi. This was the start of a, a pretty big weekend for the New Day because yeah. they ended up winning. Um, they help win this match here along with Ricochet, Xavier, and Kofi. Uh, along with Ricochet, and then Xavier and Kofi win the tag team championships on the Deadline pay per view over the weekend, which I really like. I think it it gives them a little bit of something. And Booker is just hating on them, which, which is man, he is just salty with the new. And day, you know huh? what? I, I, it's, it's, it, and I, we could talk about this more with NXT, but it's like all the NXT talent. Are using the Booker quote unquote crying, fake crying after mm-hmm. Roxanne Perez won the title. They're taking that and they're editing it, editing, editing it. Um, sorry, it was I was like Steve O last night. So I'm a no, you're like, gonna say that's why my voice say. is like Steve O this morning, right? <laughs> um, and they were putting it in their own moments on NXT and they would, you know, it's on Twitter, you know, there's uh, Grayson Waller shout out to Booker for being my number one fan. And the new day has been doing a lot of that too. Hey, I was shocked that the new day won the tag team titles. I was too. I think it was the right call though. I think, I think we were in the minority. I think a lot of people thought that the new day were going to win this title. I think it gives more eyes on them. Um, Again, unfortunately it felt like that that there's a lot of tag teams uh, depth on the men's side that's going on and, and they're kind of out of the mix. So why not put them on Tuesday nights and, and let them take a run? We're building uh, to Ray Mysterio and Karrion Cross. It's fine for these two yeah. guys. Um, it, you know, Cross kind of promo. The racehorse comment. Did you he get did. that? He <laughs> did. He said, we have to, you know, if the horses, uh, Scarlett never forgot to look a horse in the eyes. She's from <laughs> Romania. And she talks about the thoroughbred horses couldn't move as fast. And, you got to put him down and <laughs> hawk Ray. So <laughs> this was fine. Um, they're they're trying to give man Lacey Evans a reboot because what they did with her character last year, the way that they presented her when she returned, was one of the weirdest things I think we could that you and I have talked about in the couple of years that we've been doing this show. It Brutal. made no sense. We didn't understand. Was she trying to be a heel or a baby face? Why would you bring in and talk about the military and and then like make us want to boo her? It was really weird. If they would have just done what they're doing now from the beginning, they would have been a little bit better off. Don't have her come out and tell you how much better she is. And it was it was just a, a weird choice before. And so right now they're just sort of hoping they can kind of wipe the slate clean, it looks like. I'm hoping it works. I don't know. Um, I've heard it's hard sometimes re- because yeah, I've heard some know. mixed reviews in the house shows. Uh, you know whether she gets uh, you know any pop or not. But yeah, you know last year 
I remember they were rerunning some of those bad vignettes. You know, we'll, all right, we'll hear part three next week. I remember Michael Cole saying that, and we didn't. We heard part one again. So, I mean, she's good. I, I mean, she's she can talk on the mic. Her story is there. It's just now it's being forced back on it again. Forced back on us again. I'm just hoping it works for her benefit because this might be the last character chance that she gets on, on this level. The so yeah, next week Roman Reigns is back. Gunther yeah. versus or the, or this Friday, um, as Crad and I are recording this early on the the morning of December the fifteenth, Thursday, we have Hit Row versus Legado del Fantasma versus the Viking Raiders, and then women's tag team titles. So that's a big uh, a big Friday night show. Yeah. <laughs> as the show finishes up, Michael Cole had like four or five like milk puns that he was <laughs> dropping, and you could tell that he was like. It was like an inside joke between him and Wade Barrett, you know, or you could because he he was laughing and Wade Barrett was, oh my God. And <laughs> Wade Barrett, like all throughout the show, there was a running gag that he had, he got a brand new suit. So when Kurt Angle came out with the milk truck, all of the milk was going through the ring and it was hitting Wade Barrett. So you could see him in the background, like, no, my new suit is ruined. It was just. Great heel stuff. Uh, shout out to Wade. He's doing a good job filling in for uh, for Pat McAfee on SmackDown. Let's head over to Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw had two number one contenders matches. We had Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley in the main event for the number one contender for the U.S. title. And then to open the show, we had Alexa Bliss versus Bayley. Uh, so Alexa picks up the win over Bayley. It was fine. There was a spot early in the match that looked a little scary. Um, and you know, I think Alexa almost hit hard, and she's had a couple issues with concussions, so they were yeah. a little bit worried about that. But apparently, she's she's fine, and so she's going to get the uh, the title shot. There was a moment after the match where she hugged Bianca. Her and Bianca have been sort of aligned for the last maybe six months or so, and she teased hitting the sister Abigail on her, almost like she was possessed for a second, and then she stopped. And she went on and kind of smiled. So Alexa Bliss. Will that work again? Will that work? If she turns, which is obviously she probably is. The first time, like when she does it initially, it'll get a big pop. But I don't know about the long-term shelf life of it, right? Like for a little bit, the first couple times she shows up or does something weird or where there's like Bray Wyatt in the background or Uncle Howdy or any of these things. I think even the doll. Right when she comes out with the doll, it'll get a pop. I don't know. Are people gonna? So are we both in uh, agreement that she's not going to beat Bianca Belair? No, I don't think so. I think okay, something th- this should distract this should... her from it and maybe okay. get her into another storyline where she can and into this new character and into this new character okay. because I think we're both looking at Bianca. I mean, we are we seeing. I see Bianca with either Rhea, and if it's not Rhea, I would say like Charlotte. Yeah, uh, you you would think, you know, the four big ones are you know Charlotte, Becky, Ronda, Bianca, um, and then Rhea. I, I just I felt since day one, and I'm going to stay on that train. I would be very very disappointed if Rhea's not in one of those women's. Me too. Uh, the way her year has been, she deserves it. She deserves it. Yeah. Well, and, and, I, I think she needs to win the Royal Rumble myself. And, and what's nice is that. For the women's side, at least, you can win the Rumble or, I guess, win the Elimination Chamber. 
through, right? Because they'll have if they have the women in the elimination chamber, uh, which will be in like the February pay per view to set up. So for the men, as of right now, as we think, there's only one title that's going to be defended at WrestleMania. Yeah, I, I guess maybe it could be different. Maybe Roman could have two matches, one on each night. Right, and he could have a match against whoever wins the Rumble, and then whoever wins the Elimination Chamber, you know, and and defend the two different titles. We could see that happen. Yeah, um, I like that idea. I could see him winning, uh, keeping the SmackDown on the first night, and then on Sunday night, him losing. Yeah, uh, the that'd Raw be a, title. You're right. Like he could. I think that's where it's missed most is on Monday night. Don't you? I think? completely We're starting agree. to see it and feel it. Yes, you, you can know? feel it a little bit now. The ratings are starting to get hit a little because it's a. And it's hard. It's the last few weeks of Monday Night Football. It's Christmas right now too. These next couple of weeks, right. and it and feels like doing stuff. Yeah, Monday is the one that's get that's getting hit a little bit harder because Friday SmackDown's been still oh, been popping, man. Really strong with the yeah. with the ratings and everything. So we had. I, uh, I could see somebody uh, on the female side of things. I could see. Yeah. Rhea not winning the Royal Rumble, but winning the Elimination Chamber because you know the Rumble uh, winner is going to probably. Within a week or two, a couple of weeks, we'll announce who she's, you know, wanting, and then and that could be Becky. It feels yeah. like I could, I could see that being Becky right now. The way that Becky's yeah, sort of been held I, down I do a little and bit, I, and I could see Rhea win, winning the Elimination Chamber, and she would be slotted into the other championship. That that could work out yeah. very, very well. Man, give me some more of AJ Styles versus Chad Gable. Yeah, this was, was just really like good, a dude. like a little really ten good. minutes, but man, you kind of just forget how good Gable is. We had. So, what did you think of all the Gargano, Miz, Loomis stuff? We had Man, Gargano. Be, here, here, here's where I'm starting nit- nitpicking. There were a couple of things on this show I didn't like. I feel like we're getting way too comical with these people, and it's I know. not Gar- really being Gargano that funny. didn't have to be just this, right? I mean, no, he- and I feel like he's being stuck in this, and this is what we're going. It's like he's a another. It's like he's the. Okay, if the Miz can't come to Beaumont, Texas this Friday night for for SmackDown, Johnny Gargano is going to take his spot. And you see what they tried to do is they had him in the spot where he was giving free stuff to the audience to get him a cheer, to get him a hundred. And that's scary. That's scary. When you force someone for pop, when you force someone into that spot, so I I just don't like this, man. I think Dexter. Look, I like Dexter Loomis. I think he's he's a little comical. we need a payoff here pretty quick. Well, we, is, I, I, if Johnny's not hurt, I'm just surprised why you're not having him wrestle more. Yeah. Like he should just be wrestling more often to get over because that's yeah. the thing that gets him over. You, His wrestling gets him over and then he's kind of corny with his humor. And then altogether, it's a fun package. But right. when you're just watching him, he's just like, eh. And it feels, it's not like he's bad on the mic, but he's not. Incredible, and the material he has right now, anybody would be, would be like. Looks, not, uh, it, to me, he looks a little uncomfortable. What he's, I doing. know, it's like you he's, well, it's forcing. It's like a square yes. peg in a round hole, kind of a and thing. And I think they're missing the boat with him and Dexter and Miz. I, I just think these guys need to be working in the ring more. So, I mean, they're put. They're trying to. Uh, the the thing I'll give them credit for. I don't like what they're doing. But they're at least with this. There's a story they've been telling sure, for sure. a while, and it I feels agree. like it's coming. But I, I agree. Even even now, like so, Miz doesn't have money, but now he's got to find money to put up in this match, which is like 
the whole point of this was that Miz didn't have liquid money. So now <laughs> if he can go find liquid money for somewhere else, what the hell is the who who even cares if he needs this much? It's there it felt a little like um how AEW does some of their storylines. And I'm gonna give them credit for this in that Tony Khan will be w- listening to the like the internet and the fans. And if the fans are like, that didn't make sense, the next week. They'll do something that tries to make the uh, make the story <laughs> make a little bit more sense. Which right. you and sometimes you go, okay, I appreciate that they're trying, but other times it just feels like, eh, it didn't really work or didn't really fit. We had the Street Profits versus the Judgment Day. Judgment Day picked up a win, but it does feel like the tag team division is starting to warm up now, right? Because yeah, I could see, you know. I could see Judgment Day, combinations of them. We could see Street Profits, who are back now on SmackDown. We've got the tag team, uh, the man, triple threat tag team match coming up with those yeah, three guys. Yeah, uh, they're pushing the Viking Raiders, man. They're getting, they're picking up wins. With with Legato and with Hit Row, they're all in the mix there. I could see Johnny and Dexter being a team if they ever wanted to throw these guys together, too. So, lots of options. EO Sky picks up a win over Candice. Nothing much here And I guess it's it's kind of hard The same thing for Candice like, yeah. I don't think it's bad for them That they're on TV And they're getting TV time right now But we don't really know a whole lot about Candice Like who is she Same thing with Johnny Like we don't really We haven't gotten a whole lot of their motivation Who they are And so I, I mean I'm giving them like C minuses right now I'm not going to say that they're failing Because you know they're doing Okay with what they're given but They're not standing out right now And I don't no, think it was look remember his promo Was just on fire and he was interrupted By the 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 turd The turd of the punch bowl heel Austin Theory yep And uh look at where those kinda, two guys have gone Since yeah and it's right? kind of just been Sizzling or just kind of a slow Sizzle since then for, and for he Johnny Theory in the first time in his I match know. Like clean and just which We were like wow this is pretty clean it wasn't like It was quick but it was like Eight minutes or so it was it didn't yeah. get to that next Like 15 20 minute level that you Even thought and it's like oh okay But yeah they gotta They gotta find something for him That that, that different than this And may, maybe it's Champa, Maybe it's getting him involved in You know something with, with somebody else where he can get a little bit better match Out of it than the comedy stuff he's getting With Miz we then had uh, Elias who uh, Had a tribute concert Matt Riddle <laughs> He was talking Jeez. about Matt Riddle. I'm actually surprised they were bringing Riddle up like this because he failed a drug test. And this is like a second failed drug test. And he has a he has to go to a rehab program for about 30 days. And apparently that's not it was a like, work. That, that's like, a shoot. That's not like, a work. Like harder drugs. So it, it keep in mind in the last year, he has had to get divorced. He has three kids. So he has a hell of a lot going on, man. I'm, I'm look, and I, and I'm not putting this pressure on, but it just seemed like Randy Orton was a hell of a influence and keeper with that guy. And you know, like let's be, let's talk about Randy first because and Randy that influence isn't is a gone. perfect. That shows dude. you how big of an influence, or big of a, a, a moniker that Randy Orton is. For, and I think for professional wrestling, Randy game. was the perfect guy. For to be that sort of and you know what leader. maybe this that was the reason why they paired. Remember we questioned it at first, like this 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 is silly. You know, sometimes but, it's for other reasons that yes, aren't that aren't set on TV. Because off screen, we've seen Randy's gotten in trouble for weed and, sure. and controlled substances a few different times. They even would joke it's the Randy Orton like three strikes rule because Randy <laughs> would always get another shot. But 
you're right. I, that was a great point. I didn't even think of he he probably helped keep his head on straight a little bit, or maybe they were partying a little bit on the road. Either sure, way, they, they, they were a good team. They hey, were a good team. We always combo. say how hard of a lifestyle being a professional wrestler is. It is. You know, it's just hard, man. It's hard. Solo Sokoa picked up a win over Elias. It was funny when Elias and KO were in the back and Elias like <laughs> asked him for help. He said, Wait. You, he's like, I forgot everything that you've done to me. <laughs> what do you think? It was just wait, dude. You made me go crazy for months at a time, and just so oh, good. It was shout out to KO, man. That was really good stuff. Did there. he get stunned? I think he stunned a lot. Yeah, because yeah. after the match, KO came out to help, and uh, and looks like we'll probably get a solo versus KO match coming up. Felt like good. that's kind of kind of like where they're that. headed, and that could be really good. We have tribute to the troops coming up this Saturday. Always like those shows, man. Me too. And it's just a, it's a quick shows. hour. And it's like a it's like a fun, jacked up house show. Yeah. Where yeah, you know you you'll get like a a really cool like tag match. Usually like a six man tag of like strong babies versus strong heels, and the crowd's really like you always get someone dressed as Santa that you don't appear, and they come in and just stun everybody. Either Mick Foley, you used to his big show for for a few yeah, years. Yeah, I think Stone Cold came in there one time. I think even Cena. I, I just always been a fan of this of this type of show, and I always look forward to it. So Rhea gets the win over Oscar. They wanted to make to keep Oscar strong a little bit here, so they had Dominic kind of interfering and causing a distraction, and then Oscar actually spit blue mist in Dominic's face. And <laughs> man, I gotta say, Dominic is doing a really good job right now because the rest of like following this, he's oh, I can't see my eye. It was just so over like comedic cornball, and then they get into the locker room after, and Rhea's like. Get him his off! I clean his eyes out. Clean his eyes out, and and the uh, the Judgment Day guys are making cracks in the back, and I don't I don't know. It just felt kind of funny to me, and I shout out to Dominic because you know six months ago, a year ago, this guy was just his dad's sidekick, and yeah. now he feels sort of like his own, like he's just this sort of whiny guy you want to see get hit, and I thought I thought it was pretty funny, and. It feels like they might be going in a different direction with Oscar now. Maybe she'll be turning heel after you know some of these losses and uh, and, and some frustration. Yeah, I, I, I like her as a heel character too. Um, yeah, you know, talk about Dominic and Ray. Remember, they they got sent on NXT for a week um, and got a major pop again. You know, we we were so disgusted that uh, that. Dominic and Ray, um, that feud was not carried out, and I think they've done a fantastic job of separating them. Now, again, as we get closer to our Royal Rumble uh, preview, I think there's going to this is going to be a pretty good spot in the Royal Rumble where Dominic eliminates Ray, I, I, or or vice versa, and I think that leads to the big WrestleMania match here or there. But yes, back to your take, Dominic's doing a hell of a job, and I think Rhea has a lot to do with it too. Shout out to our guy Dolph Ziggler. He cut a really good promo talking Love about the, DZ. Man, he's he was just talking about the importance of the US title. And so Love it looks it. like he'll probably, you know, have a, a little mid card feud in the next few weeks leading up to the Royal Rumble. It'll, it'll probably be uh he'll get an opportunity, I'd say, and uh, and maybe even get involved in the match with Rollins. I, that could be a way to maybe keep Rollins strong if you have Theory get involved, kind of or you have Ziggler get involved. Interfere, maybe it'll kind of push that over to Theory and Ziggler, and then you can kind of have Seth feel like he's going to be one of the top contenders for the Royal Rumble. And 
Seth actually gets the win in the main event against Lashley, picks up the win with the pedigree. And following the match, we got a firing angle. Lashley's <laughs> arguing with the ref, Chad Patton, about not counting a pin quicker uh, with the spear early on. And Adam Pierce comes out. And when Lashley, sho- Lashley shoves him, Pierce is cussing at him. And then <laughs> Fe- uh, Pierce fires him right there. Um, so just at least kind of curious to see where they're going with this. And this is something that I, I heard. I, I sent you a link there day and I said, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, Wade Keller was talking a lot about AW on one of his shows this week. And one of the things he was pointing out, and I kind of agree with him is that like for AW, how come they never do something from Wednesday to that's a cliffhanger for Friday to build up? Like if they're trying to build more ratings for Rampage, why don't you do what you used to do? You know, like we would see WWE do, they'd end with a cliffhanger from Monday to Friday or for next week to where you feel like you have to tune in to hear what the next guy or gal is going to say or for a match that builds to the next show. And I think sometimes WWE can get sort of in that that trend too where they're not doing enough things throughout the show or things that will lead to next week. To give us a reason to tune back I'm just at least curious what's happening with Bobby Lashley now Yeah I don't know if I read Where somewhere that that Pierce Has rescinded it already Right I'm not, I, I, I'm not sure I saw some stuff on social media And I didn't I didn't dive too much in it Because I'll just wait till next Monday night Until they address it and uh, Hopefully they do But yeah I mean That's the thing I mean Khan recently said uh, That he was um, That he one of his number one priorities was to get to build rampage up. And one of the ways to do it is if you're going to tape shows is on Wednesday night, build to Friday, do some cliffhangers. And they haven't been doing a very good job of that because a lot of the times we don't see people on dynamite who are going to work on rampage. There's no, so here, here you and I have said, I don't like, or I'm not going to be paying attention to the YouTube shows all the time, but if they're going to use these shows, you you need to have things on like Monday on your show. If you're going to build up a new guy as the guy that you like for the next few weeks, build them up, have them cut some promos there. And then when they come on to Dynamite, show us a video package just quickly, a clip, show us what they've been doing on those shows real quick to get us an idea and let us know that. Yeah, they've been winning on those shows, so now they get to come on to Dynamite, right? Like, it should be, like, that stepping stone. They just they just expect everybody to know everything, and, right. and, and it's a little bit frustrating. And so, you know, hopefully they can – sometimes it's better when they can spoon-feed you a little bit. Let's move on over now to NXT. Koopa Loop, we're coming off of the deadline pay-per-view, and there's a lot that's been happening in NXT <laughs> over the last few days. So as we record on Thursday morning, Mandy Rose has been released from the WWE, and Mandy Rose has an OnlyFans account. It's not exactly OnlyFans, but it's basically a an adult content account where she posts risque pictures. People subscribe for a monthly fee. I think it's 30 bucks a month. Um, that, that they pay And she makes a ton of money Apparently 
either more or very comparable to what she actually makes for WWE. Yeah. Keep in yeah. mind, she also has like other modeling stuff and other businesses. She's always yeah. She's got workout regimes. She's got workout powder, clothes, all kind of stuff that she promotes with her uh, boyfriend. Now she's been your NXT Women's Champion for 400 plus days. And we're coming off of a deadline pay-per-view where we had a new number one contender, Roxanne Perez. And and to in defense of our pick, I think they they knew they were firing her. And that was this was the I I I don't think I don't think this was the way they were going. It just doesn't feel like it. So Mandy Rose is now gone from WWE as of right now from NXT. As of Thursday morning, she ends up losing her title on on Tuesday on NXT this week to Roxanne. And it was basically Roxanne coming out at the beginning of the show telling Mandy, I want to face you at the end of the I want to face you tonight. Mandy agreed. They had a match. It was good. She wins. And so there's a lot going on here for me because, number one, Mandy Rose was a character that they've always like sexualized from the very beginning. I think our friend Andrew posted in one of the chat rooms recently that that we're in that Athena, who was Ember Moon, actually was told to look more like Mandy Rose at one point or like to make herself look try to look more like that. So Mandy was someone who's been used by WWE as a way to sell sex or like as what they want their females to look like. And now it's weird because. We don't know. Did Mandy break a, like a commit a contract? Well, you know, did she do something that she said she wasn't going to do? Did she cross the line? What I'm hearing, I haven't seen the content. I think I'm going to have to just for research purposes. <laughs> uh, so I, I think I'm going to have to subscribe and just I'll, I'll write it off for uh, write the it off, man, for the uh, taxes and, and everything. But um, I had heard again. This is all speculation that there was another person involved in. Hmm. Some of the content that she posted And so her posting some of her own Pictures wouldn't have been as much of an issue But if she's involved with someone else In the content and they're in And they're in there with her that that may have been A little too risque but this is Really it's a weird It's a weird situation because Earlier this year a lot of The WWE was told That they can't do the third party Things anymore a lot of these guys and gals were Making money on twitch streams on Other youtube shows yeah. things Like that and they were told they couldn't do It once vince left That relaxed a little bit We've seen some of them be able to do You know things that they were doing before Like this like their streams It's strange because WWE it, they cannot pretend Like they didn't know this was happening right This is it's not like Manny's right. hiding this this is something that's out there. Anyone can click on her profile and see, but these photos are behind a paywall. You do have to pay. It's copyrighted inform- it's copyrighted information. So, this is like a really tricky situation, Cooper. Yeah, let's go back a, a ways and look, times have definitely changed because WWE is a publicly traded company now, right? Um yep. they they basically are "Quote unquote under new ownership, whether you believe that or not, it just it's the way it is. But go back to years past. How many divas, quote unquote, grace the cover of the Playboy magazine? I know. I, I mean, was just thinking about spread. that. Sable, I mean, right? China, all the ones you think. Tori Wilson. Uh, Mar- if you fast forward now, Maurice has been in there multiple yep. times. Um, my second thing is with you. 
uh, they're not just finding out about this right now. This is not something new. I mean, she's been doing this for quite a while. I mean, if you go to her website, if you don't want to join for whatever it is a month, I mean, she's selling single po- photos for like 80, 90 and a hundred dollars. Yeah. So this, this is not something new, but I it's, definitely it's, go ahead. It's, no, it's just, it's just so hard when we don't know the whole no, story. And we may no. never, we may never, because Mandy may, if Mandy comes out and talks in a few weeks and she tells us what exactly happened, we'll probably get a better idea. But if Mandy just wants to go back to WWE, maybe she doesn't say anything. And in a month or two, this blows over and she goes right back and we see her in the Royal Rumble. Like, I, that wouldn't she's even done, shock the, the, the hard part is she's done so much good work to get back to something she really has never been. You know, she when she debuted, she won Tough Enough, which I know she you- wasn't supposed to win. And then she... She came back and she came to WWE and she wasn't very good in the ring, but she was this blonde bomb, Mandy, you know, um, then she rebrands herself in NXT and she's not the greatest wrestler in the world, but there's a reason why she's held that title. Uh, she's NXT got a women's championship for 400 better. plus days, right? Yeah, she's got. I mean, it's just everything better. has been good. And for this to go away over this, maybe she said, hey, look, I make too much money. I'm not, you know, maybe WWE wanted 25%. I don't know. You know, she's got a, she's got a business with, what's her name? They sell donuts. I know. It's so, uh, Sonia. Very, very strange, man. Yeah, they they do that. They have a donut business. They sell donuts. Yeah, the timing is is weird. We're going to find out more about this in the next week or two. And and it might have been like. Hey, she had a deal with them. They told her she could do this, and she kind of went a little too far. Or could have been a lot of things. Or and look, WWE could have just said, "Uh oh, you know what? There's more bad publicity out there right now." Or because there was a apparently there was a leak last weekend where some people had been posting some of this content, and it was out there. Yeah. And she was having to ask people, "Hey, look, please take this down. I'm getting in trouble. You know, like this shouldn't be out there. This is something that I have to pay for." So, yeah, lots of layers to this story. Yeah, and I don't see her jumping over to AEW either. I don't either. Uh, you know, she's, I, I just, she's probably, if she wants to wrestle, maybe. But, man, from what I heard, she makes a ton of money on this stuff. A ton of yeah. money. So uh, just kind of getting fired, man. It sucks. It does, and it, it, she'll be fine wherever she goes. She'll be oh, fine yeah, if she goes no nowhere. Problem. But, yeah, I, I'd love to see her back. On the main roster in, in a few weeks Because she's worked so hard And she's really improved The rest of the pay-per-view Isla Dawn defeated Alba Fire The New Day Won the <laughs> tag team championships in NXT Now Kofi is a 15-time overall tag team champion And Grayson Waller Got the win in the men's Iron Survivor Braun Breaker beat Apollo Cruz In the NXT championship match I thought they hit a home run with these matches, man so, like, yeah, I was worried Sometimes it's a new match They can be a little bit convoluted I was worried there was going to be too much stuff going on But I have heard a lot of people Mention that It really felt like you were like Watching a video game Yeah, The way that good. they had the scores up It kind of felt like a real sport And there, The timing was perfect And it, it kind of made sense Because the people that have been in there the longest can have more falls, but then you see someone like a Grayson Waller come in and pick up boom, boom, two, <laughs> and just capitalize on an opportunity. So it all makes a little bit of sense what, what we're watching. And I thought in both matches, 
Like for the men, Grayson Waller is your winner. Carmelo looked good because the story they were telling was Carmelo's about to win. He's trying to win, but that he kind of ran out of time. JD McDonough was the heel that everybody teamed up on, which was great. <laughs> it, they all said, screw you. You know, you've been talking trash about us. And Axiom looked super impressive. And you needed a guy like Joe Gacy in the mix. And hell, Joe Gacy picked up two falls himself. I thought everybody came out of that match looking good. And then for the women, Roxanne and Zoe were like the workhorses in the match. They went through the whole thing. You had for 25 minutes, they were in the ring. Cora looked good. Kiana James come out comes out of the match, and now she's she might be hanging out with our guys. It looks like Mom Rio. Rio. Hey, I, I thought I thought Indy got the one of the biggest pops when she, she came out. And Indy thought that okay, here we go. Like I thought it was going to be her night, and it might be Indy. Maybe you know someone we're building moving forward because I'd imagine. Well, yeah, because we don't have a we don't have a run back. <laughs> no, we, you're right. We don't have Mandy coming back, and we don't have. I don't know if they go to like Zoe and give her a match and then maybe Nikita interferes and that kind of builds to our eventual big match between Zoe and Nikita, like we're assuming, but overall a a really fun deadline show. And yeah, it was an important NXT this week as yeah, we kicked off with Roxanne and we saw Roxanne end up winning the title by the end of the night. She is only 21 years old. And it looks like we're going to have Grayson Waller versus Braun Breaker. Those two were cutting hey, promos. The Braun Breaker and Apollo Cruz match. I I, I was very a good. Concerned. I thought it was a good match, man. Me too. Really good stuff. So it's a positive energy for NXT right now. Moving forward, uh, JD McDonough. I I like man. He's yeah. He's in the back and he's getting looked at by the doctor and he's telling the doctor what what's going to happen. He says yes, doctor. It's a Overdue bruise around the eye socket Should be clear to go if uh, Can wrestle at his own pain tolerance It was just a great little and the doctor's like Yeah that's yeah that's it <laughs> Creepy um, Good stuff from McDonough We had Wesley Getting attacked by Stax in the back And you know what Stax is looking better Yeah, in, in these matches he's looking good It's fun to see our guy Tony D here And it looks like they're setting up for a Wesley Versus Dijak match And possibly a triple threat with Tony D Because Tony D Was the one who attacked Wesley After the match, Dijak came out We've seen Tony D and Dijak get involved And I think it's time for Dijak To become a major player on NXT Yeah, and I think He will in a quick time The only negative I've been with NXT Is man, Booker could Booker T could be so It's a little too much Yeah, oh, he can I can understand getting Excited for Roxanne. I got it. I, I get it. You know, but man, just seems like every match he's just so over the top. A little too much over the top. You're right. But other than that, NXT's on a roll, man. Good pay per view. Good Tuesday night show. They're, I mean, they've got some stars on that show, and I expect several of them to be in the Royal Rumble. Several. Yeah, of I, mean, them. I like all three of these guys: Wesley, yeah. Tony D, and Dijak. We then had Duke Hudson. He's in the back talking with Drew Gulak, but Duke Hudson is loyal to Chase U. He says, you know, I'm I'm Chase U all the way. They have a big (laughs) uh, hug and celebration. And then later on in the night, we've got Duke picking up a big victory. So he's, you know, continuing to get built. He got to win over Damon Kemp a little bit later on. So 
positive stuff for Duke and our friends from Chase U. Looks like Carmelo, you know, I could see them uh, getting set up and I could see Carmelo being the guy that they want to win the NXT championship and eventually beat Braun at, at WrestleMania weekend. I, maybe Grayson Waller beats him and then Wesley beats Grayson or and then uh, and then you know we, I could see um him uh, I could see uh, Carmelo beating Grayson, but I think on Mania weekend, I think it's going to be Carmelo holding the NXT championship. I, I it's hard to argue right now. I mean, he he that guy is ready for a main roster run right now. I think they like him to um to have a title or two maybe before they come up. Uh and we keep hearing again about Cameron Grimes. Have you heard anything different? No. About no. him coming up, or yeah. I don't know what. I know a lot of them have been working the the main event tapings, which I think are done before Raw. If I'm not mistaken, there's been some Kylie Ray matches. There's some smoke around there that Kylie Ray uh, is is about to sign with the WWE. I, you know, um, Cameron Grimes has been working some of those main event matches. But man, if you're gonna do it, if you're waiting for the Rumble, okay, I get it. But man, I'd like to see him in some NXT stuff. We had some other quick hits. Odyssey Jones picks up a win over Vaughn Wagner. I love this. We love this. really like that. We love that. <laughs> and uh, Mackenzie Mitchell was having uh, some fun with the uh, big body Javi in the back. <laughs> um, um, and then we see Nikita um, on TikTok. So they wanted just to check in with Nikita. She was happy that Roxanne got the win. And I'm sure we'll get Nikita and Zoe coming soon. And uh, we had a quick. Javi versus Hero match Hero gets the win And it leads to our guy Scripps Reggie Coming out (laughs) and attacking uh, Afterwards so I'm sure we'll see these two guys On TV coming soon That quickly led to the New Day With the New Day celebration Um, We heard Xavier and Kofi come out They were then interrupted by Pretty Deadly Following that Briggs and They asked Hey, all you have to do is say the net is say the Pledge of Allegiance, and we'll give you. And we got we got the Pledge of Allegiance on Smet on NXT this week. Koopa Loop, I wanted to sing it. I'm proud to be, to be an American. American. Oh, oh, Lee Greenwood. I was singing it in my uh, in my living room here. Uh, we just we checked in with Wendy Chu, um, with and talking about Cora Jade. They'll probably have another uh, blow-off match between those two. And then at some point, I'd imagine we'll get back to Roxanne and Cora for a feuding over title here. And we had Brutus versus J.D. McDonough. I can't wait till we get Julius versus J.D. McDonough. J.D. gets the win here, but Julius is the more impressive-looking one um, in the ring. You know, Brutus is the little brother. But this was a way to kind of set up the next match for J.D. against Big Brother there. And I will say, I was extremely impressed with Lyra Valkyria. Man, yeah. Um, yeah. She's, you just like within two seconds of watching her work, you could tell she's got that extra oomph, that athleticism. Stone Cold made a comment one time about like Jeff Jarrett hitting the ropes, you know, like why, or, you know, like why he didn't really want to work with him all that much because Jarrett didn't hit the ropes hard. He kind of <laughs> run into the ropes soft, and Stone Cold hated that. He wanted guys who like threw themselves into the ropes to come back across the ring. And I watch her, and she just flies around the ring. Like she, I, I hate doing this, 
right now she would be like one of the the best in in AEW instantly. One hundred percent. Instantly one of the the best in ring, and I think she has a a big future. So I'm excited to see her. We uh yeah we talked about Duke Hudson getting that win over Damon Kemp, Kiana James flirting with uh with Brooks Jensen in the back. So uh shout out to Kiana James. She gave him a t-shirt. Or she gave him a, a long sleeve shirt So now he, he has actually sleeves On the shirt And uh, and then we finished up With the women's championship match And Roxanne Perez is your new Women's champ Let's finish up Loop With some AEW It was winter is coming And the show was I, I, will ha- I have a lot of positives to say About the show um, I noticed some differences Now AEW hired um, someone named Mike Mansuri um, earlier in, in the week And this could be a big hire for them Chad, this is a guy who has experience He's worked on the WWE production Under Kevin Dunn for a while He worked on ESPN, he's done stuff with the Pat McAfee show, so this is a guy Who's like who's very Tuned in to Like pop culture, who knows what's going On, he knows the way that sports And like and Has been covered nowadays And I don't know if he was even involved at all last night on Wednesday doing anything, but the show felt a little bit different. It didn't feel like they were rushing everything. They still had a lot of people coming out after matches and stuff like that, but I overall I felt like it just felt a little bit different. So I'm curious if I'll get the same feel next week because you know what? We talk about wrestlers being game changers, but for a company like AEW who a lot of times the in-ring work isn't the problem It's how they present it Can they let things Can they let stories be told a little bit more Can they let things breathe a little bit more Instead of rushing, 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 rushing Into everything Yeah, you know, we saw it last week um, You know, the ratings uh, have started to take a They've been awful a, What were they, 840,000? Yeah, pretty significant tank And uh, you can blame whatever you want the challenge, uh, NBA on ESPN, or, or or whatever whatever it is, but at the end of the day, that's not a good sign when you're three or four weeks in a row, and you can't, you, you definitely don't want to get in that seven hundred thousand mark. It was better um, overall. I still think this I, women's uh, division and way they're playing it out is an absolute mess. Yeah, the women's division um, is bad. It's, remember, you had this Ring of Honor pay per view on Saturday afternoon, which really you didn't hear a lot about, like nothing. And you know, last week it felt like Jay Cargill was the women, the biggest star in the women's division. She didn't get a mention this no, week on TV. No, which and, and, apparently and she was involved in like one of the lower rated segments on segments? the show. And Tony's really into the those like minute by minute. Well, ratings. that's not a good sign for her then. No, so. The fact that they didn't even mention her after that last week, I, I you know the the we opened it up with the death triangle versus the elite. A couple issues I have with this: the in ring work is fine, but this was match four in the series. Now the death triangle are up three to one. I don't know who the heels and the baby faces are. We're having hammers used. Like I, I hate when someone brings out a hammer. Like I'm <laughs> supposed to believe that somebody gets hit in the head with a hammer and like they're fine or. They, they're not like having serious brain damage I, I don't know it, 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 it takes me out of it whenever I see that And now they've already told us The stipulations for the last Three matches It's like I'm sure everybody assumed we were going to get To seven in this series But now this is going to end up Having been two months Yeah 
it's like that's too long to drag Way out too long. matches in a series like this where I don't know. And like Kenny Omega gets the microphone after, and I'm just wondering, like, this guy was your main event champ for a while. Like, I I don't know. I it it, it feels like he should be a single star in the singles top division, especially right now when you don't have punk and you could and you don't have Adam Cole and you could use a little bit of help there. The the young bucks. They shouldn't be dealing with the trio stuff. Like we, why didn't we get a best of seven between the Young Bucks and FTR? That's what I would have wanted. That's what yeah, everybody it, wanted when those guys came over to begin I with. I mean, where, where where does everyone go after the fact? Isn't next week no DQ? Right? Is a no, no DQ? And then, um, yeah, the, they've already set up though the stipulations for the next three. Good Lord. So they told us the final match is a ladder match. Which if we, we get know there, we know that's so we, happening. We know so who's going over, and so we know we're going to get there. I just <laughs> that's a little weird to me. Um, man, shout out though to Ricky Starks. I don't think yeah. any one person actually thought he was going to win this match, but then you you still were invested in him. You sure. still cared about him. For me, it was more like I was just hoping that he wasn't going to get completely jobbed out here. And and I think for a couple guys on this show. Him being one of them, the key is not this match because again, this was MJF's first title defense. He was not losing the title here. What do they do next with Ricky Starks? That's the million dollar question I was going to ask. Now is the important part of Ricky Starks' career in AEW. If this he, guy goes back to YouTube or Rampage, done. You might as well just let him go. He's done. Done. He's but, got to be involved in something big. He cut two incredible promos throughout the show. Just fantastic. And MJF's promos were good. Starks were better. And it was because Starks, this was his moment as the babyface going after the title, right? MJF's kind of just had to cut a lot of his bigger promos before he won won the title. But give me Starks involved, like with Jericho. Have him go sure. beat Jericho and have Jericho continue to lose and get pissed because that was the next thing that we saw that I thought <laughs> yeah, he was out. great. And you know what? That This is 100% Chris Jericho. Absolutely. Like, nobody in the world knew who Action Andrade was. This guy is young. He's only been wrestling for a few years. Chris Jericho comes out and says, I need a tune-up match. I need a squash match. <laughs> that was perfect because it's like, he's losing. As soon as yeah, he said yeah. that, I was like, he's losing. And this was like an old-school territory gimmick where Jericho wanted to get a big win after he, he lost in the pay-per-view. Jericho lost the Ring of Honor title to Cesaro in the swing. He gave up in the swing. Yeah. In the Cesaro swing. I think but that's the first time ever. In... In this eight or nine minutes, this guy got made. Yeah. Action Andrade. And it's it's the same thing I'm going to say, though. Like I just said with Ricky Starks. We've seen how many guys through the years on Dynamite wrestle a 15-minute match with Kenny Omega or Moxley. And then nothing. Again, that's it. Like, we were led to believe that they were someone that was going to get built up. But that was it. So... Do we see this guy again next week? Because Tony Khan came out after and said that they've signed him to a deal. I, if you, Tony, if you don't put this guy on your show right now, the crowd, nobody would have known who he is when he walked out. And 10 minutes later, the entire crowd was going nuts for him. And right. that was 
just because of Chris Jericho, but the guy is also good, right? He can go in the ring, and they were they they set it up well because they were kind of like they made it seem like it was gonna be a jobber match, and then all of a sudden he flips a switch and he's got this next gear that he was kind of hiding. <laughs> it was it was pretty cool. I liked it. I got a kick out of it. Um, and that's just Jericho, man. That's just like all Jericho there. So we're gonna get the acclaimed. Versus slap nuts, Jeff Jarrett Jesus. and Jay Lethal. Why don't you scissor this, slap nut? Now, <laughs> I, that was funny, but I didn't think we would be getting Jarrett in. Uh, I just don't know why he's got a spot in this company. What is either. it doing? I just don't. I, he, you don't have enough WWE other talent with, who could be using those two minutes on TV? Dude, even when he was the guest referee in WWE, I don't care, Louisville, Memphis, wherever they went, Tennessee, hometown or not, I just don't get that stuff. No. I, I just don't. I, he was a star, but bringing someone back like Mick Foley or someone to get involved like that as a referee or a spot, but I, I just don't, I, I just, man, this just gives old, old TNA impact vibes with, with Dixie Carter just trying to pull strings and bring old people in. Now we had uh, Shivani interviewing the Jericho Appreciation Society backstage, so it looks like we're gonna keep building to Jericho. I think Garcia eventually, um, and both of them ta- uh, were coming out of the pay per view as uh, as losing their uh, their respective titles. Jack Perry beat Brian Cage. This didn't do good for Brian Cage. Um, I don't. I don't think he need like he like tapped out they didn't see and then he gets pinned. He he doesn't really win much when we see him. No. But but what I will say is after the match, he was uh we had Stokely and Big Bill and was that the firm or something the like firm, that. Of, they're uh, they're attacking Perry and Hook comes out to make the save. We haven't seen Hook in a while. I, I was this is one of those things where when I saw Hook, I, I would have never thought, but you know what? Hook and Jungle Boy, when you put them standing next to each other, I was like, hmm, I'm just curious. <laughs> like, I don't I, I don't think this is going to be, like, the greatest thing in pro wrestling. But if you would have said Hook's going to come out and save Jungle Boy, I would have been like, that's bizarre. But when Very. I saw it, I thought, okay, maybe they can have a, a couple weeks of, like, teaming together, and then maybe they have a match. Maybe this just gives Hook. Uh, Jungle Boy a little something until Christian comes back and he can finally Kind of get over that hump And uh, and take the next step forward Other kind of quick things we had Quick promo from Swerve Strickland And uh, talking about him And Keith Lee and that everything's Okay with them too He's not a friend uh, A partner or family He said he has no family in the business just affiliates So okay House of Black was back Malachi, Buddy and Brody King Pick up the win over the factory Just a minute squash there uh, Hikaru Shida had a little vignette Talking about her Challenging for the AEW title next week Against Jamie Hayter And then we it, it's, it's unfortunate Because we go from Jamie Hayter to Britt And Britt just feels like a bigger star yeah. than, than her um, She's going to be wrestling on Friday Against Sky Blue on Rampage So I guess for the next Month or so for Brit, it's kind of teasing who's going to be her, um, who's going to be the partner of Soraya in the match in January. And now the speculation, I'm sure, will be for Mandy Rose along Sasha with Sasha Banks, Banks as one, two, yeah, as two that could possibly but show they're, up. They're saying that Sasha Banks, you know, because she's going to work New Japan, they're saying her asking price is just is 
massive ungodly so if she comes in for one match i i I don't know if i see her coming in for one match i i if somebody's going to come in and work they're going to come in and work and sign a contract so i i don't know what's going on here with this mystery partner stuff but it is it is intriguing i just like to see more some teases you know everybody always thinks mercedes you know which i just like to see some good teases on on this storyline Looks like FTR is going to have a feud with the Ass Boys, and then FTR is also going to be uh, in on New Japan Wrestle Kingdom facing uh, one of the teams that just won the number one contenders. So they're they're still the IWGP champs, so they'll be defending that title as well. And you know what, Carl Anderson is going to be on that show because he just won. Yes. He's still the never op- the op- uh, never op- the open neverweight champion, and he's going to be having a match against Tomatonga, I believe, on. Uh, on Wrestle Kingdom. So there will be WWE, AEW wrestlers, and New Japan wrestlers all on the same oh, show, um, which will be a little bit interesting. And maybe that's something that we'll see moving forward. And uh, we had T- Ty Mello versus Ruby Soho. I thought this was okay. Um, sure. You know, Ty's a fine heel. Ruby picks up the win in eight minutes. Hangman Page cuts a promo backstage talking about his concussion and, you know, Talking about how he's ready to face Mox whenever he needs to. He couldn't even remember his son's name, which was sad. And uh, not a pretty good promo from uh, from Hangman. There, it's kind of serious. And then we finished up with the main event: MJF, Ricky Starks. It was Fantastic. a good night. Good night for Starks. And after the match, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson comes out. That's going to be the next direction for MJF. That's fine, but you know when Danielson loses, it's going to be hard to get him back. There again, right? Because every time yeah. he's been in sort of a big match, he's lost. Koopa Loop, we finish up. Is there a bowl game that you that you've thought about yet, or uh, anything on your mind, or have you even taken a look yet? We know there's a yeah. lot. Yeah, let's go bowling, man. We got some good early bowls. You know, this is uh, bowls are always tough anyway. And then when everybody starts declaring for the portal, coaches are getting fired, um, new hires. It's always intriguing. My official play will be in the Cure Bowl. We're going to go camping to Camping World Stadium. I think that's in Orlando, Florida. Troy and San Antonio, the Roadrunners. I think this is one of the more intriguing Dude, early people, bowl games. These, this is one of the best games that people don't know about. These are two good teams. They're top 25 teams. They both won, I think, 10 in a row. Yeah, coming 10 in into a this row game. here. Uh, UTSA has a fantastic offense. That's what they're known. Troy has one of the top-rated defenses in the country. But over the last four or five weeks, they've been scoring points. I, I just like Troy here. I think defense wins championships. That's a low spread there for them to cover. Six and one straight up. Seven against the spread against teams that went to a bowl game this season. That's what Troy was been able to do. And also have some leans, man. I like USA, the Jags, and the uh, New Orleans Bowl. They're getting four and a half points. And I also like EMU. They beat me a couple of weeks. I like them getting three and a half. As an underdog, they're six and one against the spread. Five outright winners, so we'll we'll lean EMU in the famous Idaho baked potato bowl and uh, USA uh, the Jaguars in New Orleans. But the lock, let's go with the uh, let's go with Troy and the Cure Bowl. Koopaloop, my man, thank you so much. I know it's a Got busy it, time during the holidays. You have a fantastic one, and you keep an eye out. There's a a, a little package coming your way with your name on it. So uh, Merry Christmas, my man. We'll talk again next week, and you have a fantastic weekend. All right, Gino. We'll talk to you next week. Make sure to give him a follow at the Chad Cooper. That's the man, Koopaloo. Chad Cooper will be here again next week talking everything in wrestling. 
Big thanks to Koopaloop for helping us out with another This Week in Wrestling segment. Thanks so much to Eric for helping us out with NFL Week 15. Good luck in the college bowl games this weekend. Good luck in Gulfstream, Oaklawn, and Remington Park. And don't forget, if you're a fan of Marvel MCU, we have a full deep dive recap and review of Wakanda Forever with Tim Kelly. And we just finished our Andor Season 1 recaps. We have episode recaps, deep dives of every one of them. And Andor is a prequel series to Rogue One. So we just recapped Rogue One with Trevor Hayes and Michael Foster. That'll be on the next podcast. You can find that in your podcast feeds where you subscribe to That's What G Said. And that'll be uh, out probably right after uh, you're listening to this one. So good luck this weekend and have fun. Happy holidays. We'll talk to you again next week.